So, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, whenever you listen to this. This is Matthew Bailey alongside my critic and fan in crime, Carl Medina. Hello, hello, hello. And this is a post-Christmas, pre-New Year's episode of BS Beats and Bailey. Yeah, I know it's been a long while, but, you know, life and Christmas and family just got in the way. That's, that, right. that's, that's pretty much how I could sum it up. Right. Yeah. Um, but on the subject of that, how did you spend your Christmas, Ricardo? Yeah, not bad. Uh, had fun with it, enjoying stuff. Uh, yeah, a couple interesting kind of gifts. And yeah, just, I actually, <laughs> well, I'll tell you this, probably tell you this off, off uh, the air, but um, I actually get a proper ending to the book I was writing. So, well, oh, cool, an cool. Well, I'm glad that the, the Christmas didn't get in the way of your, of your, yeah. um, your brainstorming, if you will, or, or the right, writing yeah, process. I, yeah. I got a gap, decent ending. So, it, it, I don't like it because it kind of undermines one a theme of the book, but whatever. I'll talk to you about that. Cool. Well, yeah. my Christmas for me was pretty much quiet. I spent it with the family, gave them gifts, bought my own as I always do. Um, got some time to, you know, cool off, relax, and take in a couple of movies because, you know, I'm working on my on my top 10 list and whatnot. And, um, well, before we get to, you know, our actual reviews, just a little note here, just an announcement, if you will. Um, because of 2016 and just how rough it was for a lot of people, you know, myself included, there were, there were still some great movies as well, too, and um, great albums, well, hip-hop albums, actually. And for me, just trying to break down everything into 10 was just ridiculously hard. So, um, at first, I had it down to, like, 15, like, a top 15. But I kind of just decided last minute that I'm actually going to do, I'm actually going to be a little bit more ambitious this year and do a top 16. So, when I say top 16, I'm going to talk about um, top 16 hip-hop albums of the year. Okay. Uh, uh-huh. As well as um, top sixteen best movies, right. and well, in terms of like more worst stuff, because of course we have to do worst stuff. It's still going to be top ten because I mean sixteen bad movies, yeah. <laughs> no need to, no need to, no need to go, no, no need for, for for the listener to to go through sixteen terrible yeah, movies. I, I, I mean, that's a, yeah. a little too much poison. Yeah, and and then for me to actually kind of draw them out of my psyche yeah. is just really hard so yeah. the worst yeah. stuff is going to be 10 still um the eps well uh, sorry hip-hop eps are going to be um five as usual and this year i want to try something a little different here um i also want to touch on instrumental albums right and i'm talking about like you know little known producers who you know put out their work online and stuff you know and you know if you've been listening to this series you're going to hear mo- some of their stuff basically at the beginning and the end of each uh, of, of each podcast so yeah i i had to you know take the best of the best and i actually have my list down you know exact you know it's just the best movies of that i'm still working on but i'm but i almost have it there same thing right. for the hip-hop albums as well too but like i said this year crappy as it was still gave us some great movies and some great albums and just breaking it down into 10 into a top 10 list is just hard man it just doesn't make any sense so you know, out of the, the old and winning new, let me just try something different for once. So, right. yeah, top 16, you can look forward to those in the next episode. Uh, right. Ricardo, well, I, I don't want you to, to do 16, but how are your lists coming along? What list yeah, do you... Yeah, I just kind of, but I just kind of uh, slightly regretting the idea that a whole bunch of shit I didn't see. So, like, I already have a bad of the list, bad of the year of the list. It's just to have a couple movies and think will make the list. And that's um, Assassin's Creed. <laughs> I've seen it yet. Yeah, yeah. I've I haven't seen it yet, but, but I I should have I should have made the effort to go see it by now, but I 
because it's so bad, I was like, ah, that's yeah, kind of like, hold on. If, if I want to suffer through that, I mean, Warcraft was enough for me. Right. <sighs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, so, so also TV shows as well, too, because, I mean, we covered right. some great TV shows, and, yeah, this yeah, year this, has this, had some stellar TV shows, man. We have to Yeah, this, talk this about was it. a strong year for television for me um, yeah, as but well. but it wouldn't uh, be, like, a, a top 10 list. So we will just kind of run through the ones that stood out the most us, really. Right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, I, I, I join a list together. Nothing not major. I have a top 10 good and then I have a top five worst. I don't going to waste too much effort yeah, on the Yeah, top. yeah, yeah. You, but most you, of the worst... Don't torture yourself with, with 10 like yeah, I do. I, most, I could suffer most of the worst stuff is stuff that just kind of dropped the ball in terms of what it could have been. Not so much it objectively the worst. It's just like, yeah, you got to do more with this bullshit. Seriously. Yeah. And you got to do more with this and then this is the bullshit they give us. Fuck off. That is the attitude I have now. Right, it has right. more squandered potential more than objectively bad. Mm-hmm. That's how my list plays out. Right? And almost everything on my list is pretty much that. Like, wait, boy, you could have do more with this. And, oh, after all of this preparation, dizzy bullshit you give us. All right. That's yeah, where you get. I, 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 I know that some of your stuff might be in my dishonorable mentions. Because, yes, I have dishonorable mentions for the worst and honorable right. mentions for the best. So, right, yeah, right. I have a feeling that the ones that you have on your worst of this could be in my dishonorable. And a few might make it to the, to the top ten. Right. Yeah. Um, what else? Yeah. And as for TV, I mean, we could just kind of run through that quick. And oh yes, right. games as well too. I know you've uh, played some games, games and I haven't because it, yeah, it had a good few games I didn't really uh, got into that I really really enjoyed and liked um, for this year. Um, it's only really one game that really stood out for me this year. That I just I didn't expect to be so good. Don't say what is yet. Wait till the next episode. Yeah, and yeah. but it, that's the sad part is that it didn't have any games that really like take up my time. It's oh, just stuff that was like, I played, I really enjoyed it, really enjoyed it, but I didn't play that much. So, and the sad part is that all the game is, is, a, is actually a game from last year I spent most of the time because all the DLC for that game came out this year. Okay. That I was Fallout 4. Um, but Fallout 4, the main story and the game at the time was disappointing, but a lot of the DLC made up, made, made up for that, that disappointment. A little bit, right. slightly. But I, I kind of just find myself playing like a sort of old shit from 2012 and thing like, fucking, I still play <laughs> Massive. I still like play Mass Effect like multiplayer. Yeah. Like, I still play the Mass Effect 3 multiplayer, which is still a lot of damn fun. But anyway, the new Mass Effect coming out, so I'll, I'll take over that. Hopefully, if that is good, I'll take over that. But other couple games this year was really damn good. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really have a big list this year. There's a handful of stuff. Mm-hmm. Not really worth talking about. I can probably cover it in this episode, if anything. Yeah. Um, and, but that's and, about Right. And, and finally, I mean, just because we on the whole, you know, on the whole 2016 subject, Right. I don't see why I can't mention albums that aren't in the hip-hop genre, but I still totally enjoyed, you know? Right. Yeah, so a few pop albums, a few R&B albums that stood out a lot to me. Yeah, so I can mention those, and I, I don't see any problem why you can't do the same, you know? I know you listen to, to your to your music as well, so you could just mention the albums that you loved, regardless right. I had, of, of I, genre. I, yeah, I had a bunch of stuff that was just more... It, you know, it's, it's not. It's, the sad part is a lot of stuff I just catch up with that I didn't like, just, just miss at the time that came out. But I, have, I have shit that I really like, but it's from 2014. 2015, but I just oh, I I would have my, my list and put it out, but I would discover an album that I or rediscover an album that I probably listened to before and I didn't care and it didn't make the list. But then when I listen to it again, it's like, yeah, yeah, I need to add it in. So, yeah. with that being said, folks, you know, these these lists that that um that we that we are planning to you know to share with you guys, 
they're not you know in con in, they're not concrete it's not like yes this is like the definitive listen it will never change of course it will change you know yeah so a, a movie or album that i like this year i probably might like in three four years but that's life you know but i yeah, yeah. i just more listen to it in the sense of um like just sh- stuff like probably ll 40 what that, that song come out like two years now and i was just really into that song for the whole year and it's only because of the movie a movie that isn't my top 10 list um which is don't think twice um that, it it that just has, resurfaced, that, that love for it. Right, because that was, that was featured in the soundtrack, and I just started listening to them. And I was like, oh, great. I, I just started really listening to that song, and I really enjoyed that song. Um, for me, stuff like, uh, just a bunch of old shit that, that I forget was good that came up, that, that was great. Like, stuff like Onoki Taiko, uh, like old, old shit like that. She's like, what, a 40-year-old artist? And I just like, oh, shit, I forget this person exists. A, a classic Japanese jazz artist from the 1970s. Shit like that, come back in my in my periphery. I like, need to I listen to that, dude. That, that sounds cool, Joe. Yeah, no, she's she's a brilliant artist now. She's still alive. Eh? She's like, you know, she's like my mom age. <laughs> she, <laughs> okay. She's she's uh, she's a really really fantastic jazz artist. You know, she could. I don't know if her voice is still good, but she. I would imagine it's still good. I mean, most most people, the voice still stay good for a long time. Although there's somebody whose voice kind of sound old in one of the movies we're going to talk about. Ah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah, it's just stuff like that kind of come back to me. Is this kind of I, I I'm more of a retro person when it comes to music. You can like as always try to look for shit that I, a, I just generally like listening to, and then b I could put in a kick ass edit. Ah uh, uh, yes yes yes. <laughs> but I always I always think about music now a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I, especially in the light of um all of the local hip hop people and the, the, the you know the expansion. I what I would like to see an expansion of interest in music in Trinidad. Um, Me, of same here, the, same here. The typical, the typical hip hop, you know, replicating and, and engaging in, um, you know, this. I don't know what to call it, but I, I just call it the, the artistic equivalent of, of the uh, the cargo cult. I just call it that. I just call it cargo cult artistry in Trinidad, where you just cop, copy shit in the worst way and don't get why it works. Yeah. Um, instead of trying something new. Yeah, instead of doing something genuinely interesting and original. Very, very little of local local material is that. For me, but especially in the hip hop community, I really like these hip hop artists, but they really, a lot of them sound really, really derivative. Whatever. Point yeah, is. I, I don't know, maybe it's just, you, you need a, like, you, you need some kind of um, lane or some avenue or just a right. reason for people to come, no, to, for artists to come and be different. No, no yes, thing, eh? and it, just a quick aside. Uh, the thing, what I realized is that because most of the people who would make the effort to even try are very young. But the problem is because they're so young, they don't know anything, right? Young people tend to not know anything. So what ends up happening is that very few of them actually quite eclectic now. I, out of the entire like genre of all these young artists, many of them don't have any eclectic sense of music at all. Like I noticed that. It's like a little pattern I pick up. But yeah. they're good, they're genuine. But they have genuine talent. Yeah. So it's a it, it, the probability of you, you know, figuring out a way to get them to like understand, like. Oh shit! You know it have amazing shit out there, right? And right. you just inherit yet. That is the the thing you have to play a game with now. Yeah. And the sad part is that most young people just don't have the time to focus on that. That's true. Um, but, um, what I would say is sad. Here's the problem. Yeah, sorry. What I have a problem with is that older artists who should know better, <coughs> Marshall, <laughs> yes, uh, should make the effort to push for that. Now, many of them don't really do anything like that, and I have a big problem with that. True. You know, it's one thing if younger artists not into that, especially the hip hop community, because we have a kick ass hip hop community. In Trinidad, I'm not denying that. Some great people, like this guy. Um, well, you know, I know colleagues of yours did a little short film for a local artist. 
called uh, Saint Anne's. Yes, who have, made a who, who's whose mixtape I heard and I enjoy. Right. It's available and on it, Datpiff. So right, and he released and he released uh, a little short film involving two old colleagues of yours. Um, you know who did the film for him. And we're not going to say the name, but just look it up. Shane Hans, he did a nice little seven-minute short film involving one of his best songs. Um, and yeah, it yeah. was like, yeah, this this is local talent. This great, great shit. Amazing stuff. Yeah. So I, you know, we could we could tap into that. And my attitude is just we need to, like, break the paradigm of the the cargo cult problem. Yeah. Which is just copying American shit and then saying, you know, we had to make money. Exactly. And like, I look, I, look, I get it. You know, we had to make money. I ain't saying no, but at the same time, you had to figure out a way to, to find a room to do something to, to think. Anyway, I wasted yeah. too much time. Well, well what, I, what I would say, because I really do want to bring this point up in the next episode, but, you know, as we, on this subject, we won't, we'll get to the movie review story. Um, the thing is that, you know, because once upon a time we had, um, you know, uses, well, you know, BT, Rhapsody and all that kind of stuff. And at the time, I was I was exposed to you know um, alternative hip hop. You know, all the time I thought hip hop was just all about Biggie and you know Tupac and all that kind of stuff. And then right. as soon as I watched you know Rhapsody, I learned of Most Def and Talib Kweli and right. other artists that weren't doing every, you know weren't following this particular pattern. You know, you know commercial rap. Now there was there was different right. forms, different styles. But okay. now that you don't see that stuff on anymore. And you could argue MTV jams don't really so much push the alternative hip hop route. They more focus on indie artists that pretty much sound the same like what you hear on radio, except that they kind of do things a little differently. But you know, was was the chance of people actually sitting down to watch these these shows and really picking up on 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 what's going on there? But my point right. is, and you will see it in my, you'll see it in my list um, soon enough. There are tons of artists out there, tons of hip-hop artists are doing different stuff, doing different things. I know you won't hear their songs on the radio, but they are still making moves. They are still doing things. But, you know, you could say, well, oh, I'm not hearing this song on radio, so that means it's garbage. But it's not like that. It's just that, and this is a, a, I think this is the reason why our artists don't really try to do anything different is because we don't have something established down here it's not like in the states where you have this multitude of, of hip-hop artists all this this big conglomerate basically this you know style after style you know what's what west coast sounds like you know what east coast sounds like so right. like somebody could just like uh, in the states for example somebody could come out the blue and say oh this is how west style uh, west coast hip-hop com- um, sounds like i'm from right. west coast but i don't have to sound like that i'm gonna try something a little different but i'm still gonna stay true to those west coast roots and right. then something different comes out of that. Then somebody hears that and gets inspired to do something different. Down here, we still have to establish our own style. I think right. once we do that, then you'll see the different branches come out from that. But I am hoping that it happens soon. I hope that I am alive to see that because, I mean, I'm a hip-hop and I know, but I yeah. want to hear stuff from down here, man. I want to... Re- yeah, like, I mean, I love the American stuff, but, of course, I'm rooting for the, for the Trini um yeah, artists yeah, out there to do their uh, thing but i want them to do something a little different that just sound like every rapper that you hear on radio right uh, yeah that's that's much anyway there's a quick little aside we get into yeah something. but like i say something i don't want to get to with the with the next um review but right i, I could definitely say this much though with with melissa you uh you, you you're guaranteed to, to 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 see some variety some artists that you may have heard of some artists that you never heard of and i will I'll basically kind of run down why it is they stood out to me, why they were so different, why you should give their music a listen. You know, it's not 
a whole top ten of just future and future wannabes. It's right. all these different artists that you're going to expect. Have, it, I, in my opinion, like I, I, you know, I don't mean to insult people. I have people who are, are genuine talent in this. I, I don't want to call it subgenre of rap music, but trap music. Trap music, yeah, that's what it's trap called. Trap music is a little cancerous. Have a, have a cancerous element to it where just people just don't want to even try. They yeah. think it's just an easy money. But fu- and, and, and Futures is feeling that now. Look at, look at what right. happened with Designer. You know, he feels yeah, hard. Exactly. And yeah, Panda, Panda was a bigger hit than what... Um, anything than he did. Than every yeah, than anything that, he that did. Yeah, did this year. Yeah, yeah it's, a little, it's a little cancerous. It's a problem. And I... Um, I don't know. It, it's interesting how... How it had a play out in terms of who could do what. And, and you know, look, that's the nature of the business. But... It can't be, it can't be, it can't have too much men doing this. That weight is a problem. Yeah. I don't know. And it have a lot of local artists who are trap artists and they, they I like them, you know, they, I can meet them in person and they're the good people. But no, I mean, if they like to do it, that's fine. Like, I know like Young Red, for example, they, he loves I don't know trap. What, like, in men, in, in the end of the day, I don't get, I, I, don't, I just see a future with it now. That's my problem. It's right. like, it's like, yeah, this way too derivative. Like, look, it already, it already derivative with the artists who are doing stuff who legit. But then, like, you come in with this, which is like, D squared is like the derivative <laughs> of the derivation of the derivation. Yeah, and that's a problem. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. And so, not just with rappers too, but, but instrumentation. How many right, times exactly. like, you could instantly tell when you were hearing a trap beat? Yeah, exactly. It has this distinct sound that you, you always yeah. hear. It. You always knew it. But I mean, you, you would, how do you hear some, uh, some producer try and do something a little different? Right. But right. anyway, yeah. I, so I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. So 2017, I have some interesting plans involving local rappers. I'm gonna try to put out a video with, with one of them. Maybe I have a something working out in your pipeline. So we'll see. All right. Well, I'm hoping that some of these rappers actually decide to put out mixtapes or albums or EPs, something I could listen to and you know could spread around and get buzz and get them recognition, man. I mean, they need to get the music out there. Right. Yeah. All right, but moving along from, from, from music, we'll get to music with the next episode, to movies. So um, today we're going to talk about four movies. First off, uh, Nocturnal Animals, directed by Tom Ford. Right. Uh, L, E-L-L-E, which is directed by legendary director Paul Verhoeven. Okay. Um, 13th, which is a documentary, which is directed by Eva Duvuni, who yeah. recently gave us Selma, which was... Decent for what it was and quite you know, I'll say competent. Yeah, yeah. Not the best in the world, but it was it was good. It was good. It was fine. Yeah. Well right. Oscar beatish, but it was good. Right. But fortunately it won for Glory, which is still a great song. Featuring yeah. Common, who I'll get to in a bit. And um and John Legend. And yeah. finally, finally, finally we're gonna talk about Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Yeah. Sorry it took us long to get it, you know, life and stuff, but yeah, we finally have to talk about it. And, you know, quite ironically that we're going to talk about it today, today being Tuesday, the 27th of December 2016. Yes. But we'll, we'll get to that as soon as we reach to that Star Wars section. So, right. Yeah. Uh, first off, we'll start off with uh, Nocturnal Animals. Right. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I was, uh, I was, I didn't see this. I should have made the effort to go see it. I didn't take the time, sorry. <laughs> so you'll have to ring Shame this. on you. Haha. <laughs> Shame on me, yes. Shame. Just ring the bell. Shame. <laughs> yeah, Shame. just ring that bell. Ring that bell. So um yeah, I um you'll have to review this. I, w- I actually was interested in this. So I'll make the effort to go see this like immediately after we stop recording. 
Um, but yeah, what do you think about this movie? What how, how was it? Because Amy Adams is yeah, it's it's it's, it's a it's a big t- um, big cast. You know, Amy Adams, Jake Gyllenhaal, Michael Shannon, right. who are really starting to to like as as an actor. I mean, uh, I, I like the stuff before. I mean, uh, I loved his yeah. um, character in um, Boardwalk Empire. But I don't right. know. It's just with the you know since that movie ended and you know since he you know got back into making got back into movies. You know, I really said I appreciate him as as a great actor. He does. He has this. He had a face done already. That sort of grim face. So I don't know just no, something yeah, about like, him. Yeah, almost everything. Almost everything Michael Chan has been in, I like. And you know what? What I appreciate about him as an actor is that he gives young and smaller directors a chance. So you'll find himself in a movie, um, with them. Yes. Because he liked the director. Like he he um he one of my favorite movies, and that might make my top ten list. I don't know if it, that was this year. I think Midnight Special. That was, that, was, that was this year. That was this year. That was this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah I know that should make my list. Yeah, Midnight yeah. Special. And I, I know and it made I, a lot of other people's top 10 lists as well. It too. might, well, it will make our honorable mention more than likely. Okay. Uh, but I, he gives small directors a lot of, and he did a movie um, where, oh shit, you know, I forget the name of it, but he did a movie where the guy, he, uh, he was warning everybody about a tornado. Oh, um, a, what, no, was it a serious, no, not a serious man. Um, it, the, he had a, is a tornado take coming shelter. To, Take hey, thank you, thank you, man. Which thank came out in 2011, so I am right. Off. That's you're right. That's yeah. yeah, and that, that was the movie I was thinking of with him, and it's it such a fascinating movie because you know I, I I'm into that stuff where you know you're not sure if it's real supernatural versus the person the kind of crazy delusions, yeah. Right, and I was a big fan of that. He also did um, kick-ass movie in my opinion. He did uh, <laughs> he did the Iceman. That was fucking awesome. Okay, God, I, I haven't um, seen the Iceman. Need to yeah, that's basically based on the, the, the killer, the famous killer. And of course, he did Man of Steel. He did yeah, stuff yeah. that I like. And, and, yes, it, and, and, and speaking of um, Kick-Ass, he's actually in this movie as well too, Aaron Taylor Johnson. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, so, I'll, which uh, I'll, I'll get to in a bit too. Right, so give me, give me a rundown of what Nocturnal Islands is about and if it's worth watching. All right, so going into this, I had no idea what this was about. I didn't right. watch any trailers. I just right. saw this poster and i was like wow amy adams has some really nice eyes though <laughs> yeah right right <laughs> if, if, if you know the poster talk about it. and yeah. she does yeah so um it's based off of a novel called um tony and susan they're um written by austin wright and how ironic you know written and stuff I'll, I'll get to written in a bit um it's the screenplay actually is written by tom ford wow yeah, so yeah. I don't know, like, like after like, after he gets so big up from from Jay Z, you know that's that right, Tom exactly. Ford. Or that, yeah. And a whole beat, a whole heap of black people who didn't know who the hell Top Ford was until, until Jay Z had this song that. with Top Ford. And then they all I of love that song, by the way. That that beat. No, yeah, kick, I, that I thought beat it was a kick-ass song. Yeah. Pretty, actually, one of the two songs doom, in the album. Doom, doom. I actually don't like the album all that much. Nah, um, that song, no, that doom 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 doom. Yeah, yeah exactly. But what cracked me about the album is that um, like all of us are all these black people. You know, like top four that buy top four. It's like, yeah, only can afford top four. Stop it. <laughs> no. Just stop it. Yeah. Like, if you go to this online, online store, it's like some expensive ass shit, you know. Like, yeah, top four really? is like, on the next level. Like, who the hell? Not, it did, it, 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 you know, it did um, fubu, you know. Yeah. Come, come on, guys. Whatever. Right. Um, so, yeah, so he did the screenplay, he co produced it, and like I said before, he directed it. Right. Right. So the premise goes like this I'll, I'll have to be careful not to spoil too much so um amy adams plays susan morrow she's this art gallery owner right. and um she at the moment she is married to a guy a businessman called hutton morrow which is played by amy hammer right. i've never been a huge fan of don't mind he was decent in um 
Blue Termination, but I, you know, yeah, he, 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 was, he was good. He was good. Yeah, I know. I like him in a couple. Months. Yeah, good. Yeah. Go um, and it's kind of revealed to Leon that he is unfaithful to his wife, and she, uh, she as in Susan is is kind of aware of that, and she tries to keep herself busy. She, she calls herself a nocturnal animal. She, you know, she's always up all night. She takes forever to sleep and stuff. So she always right. has to stay busy. And um, she receives the manuscript for a novel, which is penned by her ex-husband, Edward Sheffield, who is played by Jake Gyllenhaal. Which is, um, well, a manuscript basically for a novel that he's um, bringing out called Nocturnal Animals. So she starts to read this, um, this, this, this manuscript. And basically, it, the story itself, and we do see the story played out. So, and this is something about the, the movie itself. It cuts back from, you know, Amy Adams reading to the actual story being portrayed on screen. So the, right. the and um well the story is centered on a guy called Tony Hastings who in this in these sections of the movie is played by Jake Gyllenhaal again. And right. um he ha- well he's married, he has a he has a wife and kid and yeah. they find themselves, you know, just driving home and they run into these three guys. I wouldn't really call them hillbillies or rednecks whatever, but you know, they're guys that just want to start some trouble. And then one thing leads to another, and you know, um, uh, basically Tony is separated from his wife and kid. He's trying to find them, and then he enlists the help of a detective, actually, um, who's played by uh, Michael Shannon. He plays Lieutenant Bobby Yandes. He's this yeah. like old um, detective, and he's like suffering from lung cancer and stuff. So he's just trying to help him out. So he, you know, he just kind of wants to go out with a bang, basically. It's kind of like that. So. Going into this, it's kind of like, you know, you're seeing the story unfold and then you cut back to Amy Adams', Amy Adams' character. And at first I was telling myself, well, wait, okay, so it's just going to be her reading this thing. That's what the story is about. But then actually, no, it's, it slowly reveals that, you know, what's going on with um, the character in the story kind of relates to her. And the reason being is, like I said before, um, Edward, well, the, the author of Nocturnal Animals, is Susan's ex-husband. Yeah. And we do see some flashbacks of them meeting, well, they, you see them meeting each other for the first time and just that relationship slowly starting to boil, um, st- sorry, slowly starting to develop. And what I like, though, well, just characterization-wise is that um, Edward is very ambitious. He wants to do things and he's very creative. He tells her that, you know, he tells Susan that from the word go that, you know, he wants to make a living, he wants to make a career writing books, being able to express himself, being able to be creative. Right. Now, Susan, on the other hand, is, is on the opposite. She's like, well, you know, um, how you expect to, to make a living just writing books? And, you know, this kind of life is kind of boring. It's going to get old soon enough. So you have to do more things. You have to think about making money and all that kind of stuff because that's what life is about. And I like how, I mean, at first it kind of came off a little two-dimensional at first, but then when I really started to think about it, I was like, oh, yeah, that kind of makes sense, you know, because like I could kind of relate to, like, you know, me wanting to be involved in film, but, you know, a lot of people would say, you know, what's the point of doing film? You're not going to make money from that. You have to get a real job, and that's not a real job. It's all about that. But at the same time, you are creative, and you want to create. You see it in yourself that you want to create, but, you know, why not make a career doing what you love if it's creating, you know, but... Right. Moving along with that. So it kind of cut back to how their relationships had um, deteriorate. And then we cut back to, you know, the, the, the present with um, Susan's feeling relationship with um, with Hutton, 
who ironically you don't see much of and it really kind of sells the point that she is kind of on her own uh, uh, sorry on her own and you see right. there, there, there's lots of moments of her being by herself even when she's around other people you can kind of see her sort of distance and you could tell that she wants to be loved but it's just you know she's not really finding that love for some odd reason and it just keeps cutting back and forth like i said between the story and what's going on with her life and what makes the show kind of interesting is that she becomes more and more intrigued by this this manuscript she wants to learn more and it's only within the end that we so we we kind of realize why she got that manuscript in the first place right. and just that reveal in the end well sort of like nearing the end of the the movie works for what you're going for but i know a lot of people might look at like what like when i saw it the first time i was like okay that that's it all right that's okay. that's the point you try to make there okay um all right so what was the need of this elaborate story that we needed to see about revenge and stuff yeah so there's this whole revenge thing that goes on in the story and you know um michael shannon's character gets himself involved in you know tony's revenge scheme and whatnot but that's all i'll say about that but yeah basically um what i would say um technically like from a directing perspective it was well done it was well shot tom ford i didn't even know it was him until i didn't even know that he directed this thing until the very end i was okay. like wow okay tom ford okay, yeah wow, i okay. uh that, that yeah I, I knew i knew he was directing because it get it get decent buzz at tiff and i was like okay but i didn't know he was like a director i had no idea katiki did one film before this all right, all right he actually did a one. show called A Single Man, which came out in 2009, which I right. saw. Right, that, that was it. Um, shit, this British actor. And Colin Foote. Like, Colin Foote, right. A gay yeah. actor, gay guy, and he was in... It was cool. That, I remember seeing that. I actually really... I remember really enjoying that, actually. All right. Uh, pretty damn good story. Interesting character. Um, basically, a, a cool character piece, no? Yeah. Um, I can't remember if... Oh, yeah. It, was, it seemed to be... Well, he's... I think he's gay in real life, so... Um, so I think it is kind of not like, surprising. Yeah, he was oh, yeah, fashion guy, right? So yeah, um, that, that is running stereotype. Yeah. Um, but he um, he made the I really I remember really enjoying a single man, and I was like, I when I when I found out, wait, the director is this a fashion designer? Oh shit, that's real bad though. I was like, alright, cool. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's but- a he's a solid, really talented filmmaker. So I was like excited for this. I just should find the time to show, to watch a movie. Yeah, well, well, for me, this was like the first time I ever saw a movie directed by, by Tom Ford, and I thought that he did a, a great job here. Right. Um, the music, I thought, was excellent as well, too. It had this really dark, sort of neo-noir kind of vibe to it. And, right. um, yeah, this is the best way I could actually describe this movie. It's, it's, it is neo-noir, um, but more, you know, on a, on a psychological level. But I felt that, you know, the moments with Amy Adams um, were more like drama, more like a domestic drama, pretty much. Because right. it's just really about her and this whole feeling relationship with um, Jake Gyllenhaal and how that kind of turns out. But the I was more invested in you know what was going on in the actual novel where this father was trying to find his uh, wife and daughter and you know finding the three guys and you know exacting justice upon them. And one of those okay. guys, by the way, is um Aaron Aaron Taylor Johnson, who is incredibly creepy in this movie, like borderline psychotic <laughs> almost, you know. Just the way how he he played that character was 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 really, really it, it had it had me on edge at, at certain points in time. But yeah, he he, he did a great job. Right. Um, yeah, the the tone was a little uneven because, like I said, it shifts back to this sort of gritty sort of you know um, 
I don't want to say hardcore, but just really gritty, nail-biting sort of revenge tale with um, Tony. And then you're going back to this whole domesticated thing with Amy and I don't love you anymore and I don't know and I don't know and my mom's telling me this and all that kind of stuff now. But it slowly starts to connect like nearing, like probably around the second arc or thereabout. It starts to connect again and then you realize, oh, this is the reason why she got this manuscript in the first place. This is the reason why she's so intrigued by what she's reading in the first place. This is how it all connects. And then when you see it connect and when you see it all play out in the end, you're like, okay, it didn't hit me as much as, as I wanted to do, but I get it. I think it, it, it was a little pretentious or maybe it just could have been developed a little bit more because it just kind of comes off like metaphorically. That's that's the best way I could describe it. Like the whole novel basically is a whole metaphor of something that happened and how a certain character felt as a result and that character wanting the other character to, to know how that character felt. That's that's just the best way to describe it. So, right. I don't know. It's just like, a, like maybe I kind of... Maybe it's just because I didn't know what to expect. So, I went and I was like, oh, okay. Big actors, all right. I didn't expect this was going to be a story within a story for one thing. But I thought that at some point in time, the, the stories would have connect in, in some sort of... Um, some sort of profound wiener. And um, right. also I felt too that, you know, um, it was kind of building into this sort of psychological thing. Like at, at points in time, I was really asking myself, okay, are, is, is, is this what we see in real? Is this like a flashback or a flash forward? Similar to another movie that, you know, Amy Adams started recently, which was Arrival, which had me asking those same questions once right. the twist was revealed, you know? Is this this is this happening in real time or does it happen in the past? Or does this happening, you know, in the future? What's going on? And I like how the movie kinda played on that. And then you realize, oh no, it's it's kinda like what it exactly plays out to be. And they're like, Oh, okay, all right, man, man, okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> but still I was I was thoroughly engaged by it. I mean the acting was fine, although to be fair, I, I think, you know, um Amy Adams shouldn't be to me, her name being first didn't really work for me. I felt this was more Jake Gyllenhaal's um, story or stories, if you will. Right. I thought that he was more prominent in the movie than Amy. Okay. Um, I felt that you know Amy was there. She you know she she was fine as always. I mean, her acting was always on um, always on point, and she didn't disappoint here. I just felt that she was more in the background compared to what was going on with Jake. You know, in both stories. But then when you slowly start to realize how she all plays out in you know in this whole thing and the reason why she got the manuscript in the first place is like, oh okay, it's in a way it is about her. So in a way it's really about both of them in a sense. But I just like I say felt it's more about Jake than Amy. But then in the end you kinda of realize it's really about Amy at the end of the day. So yeah. Um right. Michael Shannon was great as well too. I, I love the, the, the character that he played. This um you know, I mean this detective who kinda of feels sorry for, for, for Tony. And, you know, he's going out of his way to try and help him. And then all of a sudden he just decides, you know what? Yeah, I, I just want to kill these people, you know, because they did this crime. And, yeah, these, these, these bastards had a gunner, you know. And, right. you know, at first, like, I was watching this thing, like, yeah, this, this can't be real. Right? This had to be something out of a book. And like right. I said, the moments that are in the novel, you're kind of thinking, maybe it happened in real life or maybe it didn't. But then you slowly realize, oh, no, this is actually fiction that you're seeing here and right. this is why well like i said near the end you realize why it's why the story is how it is but um in closing i would say like i wasn't complete i wasn't totally blown away by it i love the story within a story thing i thought that it was you know 
I mean, it, it has been done before, but the way how they did it here, in this, especially in this whole neo-noir vibe, it reminded me a lot like, um, like uh, well, sorry, not the premise, but um, more or less the cinematography because most of the story, the novel, takes place, I believe, is in uh, West Texas. So I, right. I was just instantly thinking, hello, high water. With spoiler alert, make it into the top five. Top, uh, yeah. <laughs> top, top five for top sure. Five. Top five. Yes, top, top five. five. That was yes. hard. Yes. <laughs> so I was watching that and I was I was feeling that 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 grittiness, that you know, right. that dustiness, that yeah. you know, uh, that hardness. No. And right. then, you know, to go back to um to Amy Adams and you know what's going on with her and you know, her not trusting the husband and then you as if you were realizing that she's not really all that trustworthy either. You know, and because I mean, she did some bad stuff to um to Edward's character to to Edward, right? And they're like, oh my god, she actually do that, but that's that's harsh, but you know. So it's that kind of back and forth that 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 they did it. In 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 short, it's like telling two stories basically, but then they somehow try to link it together, and for the most part, it works. It's just that I don't know. Maybe it's because maybe I just need to watch it again to fill in those extra blanks. But I felt that sometimes some things were left um, unanswered. Um, but what else? What else I could say? Um, music was fine, like I said. Cinematography was excellent. I love the the transitions that they use um, yeah. between the real world and the novel world. Those were great as well too. And not just right. those two worlds, but also the flashbacks right. with um, with Amy Adams and Jake Gyllenhaal and you know their relationship. Whether it's an uh, audio bridge, it could just be just something visual. I love how, you know, it keeps going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Whether it's like a, a particular sound or a particular image that they use or a color or whatever. And that's the next thing that I really need to, to go back and, and watch this movie again. Because I just need to see, you know, the, the, you know, the little teams, the little, the little stuff that he have there little, to really emphasize this big point. Because maybe like, you know, like I just saw it. Just watch through the whole thing. I was like, maybe expecting something great to happen, and then it all ends like, oh, hmm. But I think that if I watch this movie again, I will enjoy it a little bit more. It's really one of those shows you really had to dig in deep and really, you know, figure out. But you're not gonna get everything within your first watch, just like Arrival. <laughs> but with this one here, I I enjoyed it not as much as I wanted to, but I would still give this a strong three and a half to a light four to five stars. I do see myself. Right going back to see this once it comes out down here um, okay. on big screen I'm definitely going to give this one a watch but I would say this if you are a fan of neo noir film if you want to see something different uh, if you love Amy Adams and oh yes a lot of people seeing that she's either going to be nominated for um, you know best actress either for this movie or for Arrival I, I think that she will get for Arrival though. if if, really? if you, you want me so? to be honest I think she will get enough for Arrival more uh, I mean she was fine here it's just that I find she was overshadowed by Jake and Jake was excellent in this one I don't see right. her in a Oscar nom because I mean Jake is always great as well too but yeah I thought that he sold it here Michael Shannon killed it and yeah not much more I could say about this show so I, I, I highly recommend you check it out just go in with an open mind go in just watch it carefully and if, if if you don't you just won't pick up on everything you might just walk out of it like yeah this was shallow and didn't make any sense to me but i think if you're really digging deep and really watch this movie closely you will you will you you, you will you will you will get something out of it for sure so yeah okay definitely right. will okay. check it out all right okay okay i could live with that yeah all right all right so, so... You move on from one new noir 
I'll can't say new noir from one psychological thriller to another one. Yeah, let me talk about L, man. Yeah, let me talk about L. L. Newest uh, movie from Paul Verhoeven, who yes, <sighs> who's made a name for himself with you know tackling these rather um, controversial topics, really transgressive, transgressive topics, but right. in a very, very entertaining manner. Right. Case in did point, you, um, you know, like RoboCop, for example. 1987. You know? The way how he touched on like you know the media and violence and stuff by making this really over the top sci-fi, a violent sci-fi action movie, which by the way in retrospect is ridiculously violent. But is I mean it's still a great movie. But that's no, but like I, I just violent, think of um, not not only that, but I just think of uh, Starship Troopers, of course. Yes, yeah, Starship uh, Troopers. Um, yeah. What else? Uh, Basic Instinct. I think that was the one that 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 put him in, in hot water, of course, because of yeah, you know, the, the content pussy, in it. Pussy shot. Yes. <laughs> And then he just followed that up with Showgirls, which is like yeah, which is the, what, if, what, I, if, what if the best so bad it's good movies? Yeah, that's the thing. This this I find, um, you know, this this surprised me because it didn't feel like a film in made, itself. Made because by him. I I know, yeah, it felt like thing. something like Michael Haneke would have made right. something that feels right. really slow, sort of because sort of like okay, you know, this is how. You know, each day in this character's life plays out. You waited for something to happen, and then boom, something right. happens unexpectedly. And, and, and it, the, the interesting thing about this one is that it's more like um, it felt like. Well, it, to me, the person who was more like Verhoeven this year was was Nicholas Winding um, Refn. Oh yes, N W R as he wants to be called yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> he, he to me his film this year. This is um, Neon oh, yeah, Demon. Neon Demon, which that, that felt by the more way, like is not on any of my lists. Sorry. Yeah, that that, that felt more like show show girls. Um, it was just this kind of real strange over the top acting. These side characters are just like no, no. Show girls was way 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 more gratuitous. This one was no, this like, but trying it, it had to build the same. Something, but no, you, I I find this was weird. This this was so ridiculous and over the top. Anyway, um, this one was it was to me it was Verhoeven without the flash. Verhoeven just played straight. I thought and it's. It's kind of without a filter, without like it's him just saying, "All right, he's gonna talk about." He kind of read the apotheosis of his career with this one. Um, for me, and how I saw it when I was watching, I was thinking, and it, it took me a while to pick up weight. Now this is a Verhoeven movie, and I was like, "It's about humanity itself, 21st yeah. century humanity." You know, it's about the, the main premise of the story is about rape. Right. Well, uh, we just want to run through what it's about quickly. Yeah, yeah. So it's about this woman. The movie starts. Uh, Michelle uh, so, LeBlanc. That's a that's a right, name played right. by Isabel Huppert. Right. Um, she was pretty damn good in this, and she might get a nomination for this as well. Eh? Of course. Yeah. Uh, this uh, this movie has to, this movie definitely had to get an Oscar nom. But continue. Right, and it's, she the movie more or less begins with her being raped, and yeah, it's just this which sudden I did violent. Not expect though. that that yeah, this sudden violent rape. Went, wow. You're not sure what's going on, and what it does. It does a, a a premise of, well, you have victims, but then the victims not so nice. So should you feel for, sorry for them? And it does this whole idea of well, it's rape, and it have rapists, uh, rape enablers, the idea of a corporate cutthroat, which she is a little bit because they get into the nature of her, um, what her job is, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, um, video and game design, the next video game that. design, and what because but, oh. But it's content thing, right? in the game, though. But right. Yeah. But here's the thing. If so, here's the thing in the movie. The movie, movies, a lot of movies get impact because of the timing. So I don't know if you're familiar with a phenomenon that occurred about two years or so ago called GamerGate. No. And okay, so GamerGate was basically something along the lines of 
video well yeah had a big blowback of culture um cultural i don't know i don't want to i shouldn't say the term cultural marxism it's kind of nonsense too but the idea of feminism in video games and the idea of how characters should be treated and then you have the attitude of um people thinking there's a, a culture of corruption within video games so it ended up manifesting into this weird cultural argument and that to me impacted the movie and this movie coming out in this time mattered more than after that that whole phenomenon is out it was a total shit show on twitter and, and the internet in general that a bunch of names get trolled zoe quinn and all these people but the point is it was really fascinating to watch in the light of that to see her character and what the character meant especially with respect to the violence in the game um and respect to what happened to her and that was really, really interesting and yeah again it was really very hold a filter it was basically um corporate cutthroats smug suburbanite culture Think about that for a second. Kind of interesting. Uh-huh. You know, this idea of, well, oh, nothing does ever, nothing could ever happen to me. And, you know, realizing that, no, humanity still goes on. Sorry. But, you know, shitty people are still going to be shitty people. And you, you realize, you don't really have a decent person in the whole scenario. Not no, really. No, no, no. Everybody is... Not is, a single yeah. soul. <laughs> and that was kind of... It was a little, little, little depressing end uh, for me. But it, it, it's really... There's a kind of cold-hearted movie. Really cool. A lot of people that, call it like a like a black comedy. I didn't. I, I yeah. see what they mean, but no, it, it was, was more because of how real how the characters are, and because they don't really like them, and because they don't do good things. It it was kind of hard to really like laugh at how bad they are. But I but right. I see the, the the I see what they call it that. Right. Yeah. You no. Know, uh, for me, it was just a kind of nasty way. Um, you know, just it's a nasty story and it's a nasty way to tell it, and. It you think was, it was a necessary way to, to tell the story? Um, that's the interesting thing because, well, like, here's the interesting thing. You get into the idea of, well, you know, people like to make a black and white. What it does is that, you know, you have gray, gray morality. And then most people, especially people in the audience, most people say, all right, well, I want to push it on one level and say, well, it's gray, but it's still based off of the idea of black and white. And to me, Verhoeven kind of says, fuck that. I go in on a deeper level by saying, no. Even the idea of victimhood should even be put into the premise of gray morality. And it's really interesting. And then there's a big reveal in this movie that really, like, hammers that home. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you learn, you basically, you learn, well, who her father is. And that caught me off guard. That's the only part of the movie that really caught me off guard. It's like when they reveal oh, that, that. Okay, is, is when who, they reveal who it was that was actually breaking into the um, no, that, into that, that, house. That, yeah. no, that was a. And that was a surprise, but it was part of the bingo. You know the bingo, the bingo logic. You apply it to movies, like well, who could be? And oh, usually, oh, okay, I see what you mean. Yeah. And if if you understand the real statistics behind rape, you realize most rape, rape, uh, uh, rape, most rapists are the is people the girl know, the woman know, woman know yeah. the rapist most times statistically. They did, they did hint at it, but in a very, very, right. very so, so heavy so R-rated me, way. But yeah, right, I did expect. No, but it. to me, to me, the shocking part of the movie is how she handled this trauma. Yes. That's when you start yes. to pick up. You start to pick up. Wait, now something going wrong, and then you start to realize. That, that's how I realized. I started to realize. Wait, this is what this movie is about. Is how you don't have to handle trauma in a certain way. Because a, a, a lesser movie would have say, well, she's a victim, and she had to go through this thing, and she's so brave, and so on. So I realize when you realize basically, who, a, a, basically a lifetime movie, which is not which right this exactly. Movie is and then when they when they re, when they re, they reveal who the, her dad was. And it's like, oh shit, this real dread, dude. This is like a next level of foolishness, dude. And it goes pretty damn deep. It goes down another circle of hell, as I call it, um, where it's um, how to deal with 
trauma and what you think you should deal with, how you think you should deal with a person who you think is a victim. And you shouldn't really just jump to the situation in this, in this kind of way. That's, that's how I think, I'm um, sorry, I was about to say Haneke, how Verhoeven does this. It's kind of post-feminist in that way. And I was like, wow, this script is really damn smart, but it didn't pull me. Sorry. Um, it felt like, you see how, um, you see how, oh God, what was the movie you watch with, um, with the Asians in the Korean uh, shit? Handmaiden. Uh, Handmaiden, thank yeah. you. Yeah, uh, in the case of the Handmaiden, that felt like a 60s pulp novel, 60s pulp lesbian novel. This one felt like a, I don't know, it felt like an 80s thriller. But with some maybe lesbian inklings, so that's where they want to go for maybe. Yeah. But it's all about sociopathy. That's the important part about this. And that was kind of fascinating for me. And it, the movie really worked in that way. But it didn't pull me because this person it was kind of so unlikable. And almost everybody in the movie is so unlikable. True. So in, I, in, I in just their own way, shape, or form. Right. Yeah, what, what is not uh, Michelle's um, co-workers or friends right. or ex-husband is yeah. the, the, the son. And then there's this, uh, this subplot with him and his um his, his girlfriend or wife or whatever. Right. <laughs> and then yeah. she gives birth to dress. Yeah, that's not your son. Can't you see that that's not your son? But yeah, he's yeah, like it, real it, defending and being angry at, at, at his mother and, you know, cussing on her and, and stuff. But he's right. not, every, every time um, the, the wife calls him out, you know, he, he just kind of cowers to her. He kind of has to bow down to him. That kind of right. stuff. Yeah, and it, it's, it's, it was a strange movie in that way of this whole... As I say, it looks kind of... It feels like a bit post-feminist. In the sense that, well, okay, this is a dark side of what could manifest when you think about... When you, when you think about women with agency and what that means. And th- so this, this again, going to sound controversial here. But women don't have to be nice. Sorry, guys. Women aren't. Women aren't. Women are agents. Women are people who could turn out to be real monsters. And this movie felt like that. Yeah, human the so, as well. Thank you. And the woman, so you would think she's supposed to be this victim that you have to jump to defense. Nope. And way how she 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 manifests her her trauma is so unbelievably disturbing in this film. That's why it felt really strange. Like, wow, this is a Verhoeven movie. Yeah. But it's but well we're good to as this here, but it's just the way yeah. how the how the movie pulls it off though. It's yeah. like I don't know, maybe because of the director involved with this. Like I'm not saying that everything had to be so over the top and loud and in your face now. Right. But just this slow, subtle kind of way, like you're just watching it and seeing how things play out, you know, like day by day now. Yeah. It really felt like something of a Michael Haneke movie where he kinda uses, you know, the slow piece and then out of blue, he just hits you suddenly and then it just jewels you out and then it goes right. back to that. And right. I felt that L did that, a, well, the movie L did that a lot where you saw how characters interact with each other and how they live their lives and stuff. And you saw how this this attack, you know, affected L. You know, you, you really saw that and how it affected right. her relationship with other people. And I also took notice of how, it, um, you know, how, how it affected how she, you know, um, how she interacted with, you know, male with, with with other male characters. Right. Not guys at work that you know, kind of enamored by her or just impressed by her and stuff. Right. There's her ex-husband or you know a friend's husband and all these no, yeah, different yeah, characters. So what what's cool about that is that you get a sense of well what it means to break down a social contract. Um, in the sense that okay you live in a society, and you get a sense of its social contract and its rules because you could tell even before well they didn't really put the situation before her getting raped. 
But you get the sense that even before she would would have been raped, she still had this kind of distant relationship towards everybody. Of course, but was, yeah. But life played itself out, and it's like, all right, the rules are the rules. They have laws, and are supposed to be trusting people at least in the sense of they you get the sense that they should obey rules and it's a first world country and everybody rich and wealthy and again to, to, to go back to the suburban suburbanite point of well everybody like nice and everybody making money and everybody nice and then you realize that shit could just people could just break those barriers of, of privacy and, and your own personal space in the worst most nightmarish way and that's why the film really works for me um and she, when she started to lose trust with almost everybody in the movie, and then well, the big, the big come out, the, the big ending sequence, which with involving a son and a piece of wood. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> and which I did not see coming. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, okay, this sort. And then that last line where you, when the guy just says why, I was like, yeah, this is like how dark things could get. It's a really like nasty movie though. In it that is, way, it is, it is. But I, I just, well, just for me, I think it's just the piece that that threw me off completely. Yeah, because I was thinking because of the content. Because well, I didn't know much about it except for just like a a two line premise about it. But I was just expecting something a little bit nasty, a little bit more guttural. Now. Right. I wasn't expecting a slow piece drama. I mean, the drama worked in terms of setting up character and you know payoffs and stuff. But I think the pieces was going to throw a lot of people off though, because I, lo- I know a lot of people are going to go in just be so the right. premise and be like, okay, I expect him to be shocked by this. They're like, oh wait, there's just they might find it, it to be it, boring it was, and tedious, but no, it it's hard. actually leading up to something. Yeah, no, it was hard for me to to, to recommend for uh, the average person. Like, I'm not going to recommend. Like, usually when I, I come up with movies, I recommend them a dad or something. Nope, not recommending this to the See, average yeah, person. I, I, I can't. Uh, no, well, yeah. not just because of the, 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 the premise. I mean, the premise alone is just like, nope, no, 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 nope, no, yeah. forget. No, but, <laughs> but I was thinking, I would more recommend this f- more for people who love European movies, who just... Right. Love the slow pace, who love right. the drama, love interactions. But, but that, I that's think I was thinking off the top of my head, I was thinking it's gonna be like Gone Girl now, where it's like, oh, just so salacious and sultry and Me funny. Too, and, I was about that. And, but, and I was but, like, but what I was nah. thinking though is because um because Paul actually wanted to make this movie in the States now. But because okay. of the, the premise of it, he knew it'd be hard and you know, trying to get no, act- actresses involved. So he just went to France and said, Well, I'll do it there. Right, and, so but that's why it but, feels more like a, a, a French movie. It feels like a European whole thing, movie. The whole thing feels the whole thing feels so dry. Now. That's the yeah. whole point about it. It's like wow, this woman just is a next level girl. And the whole time I'm watching it, it's like it was actually taking me out of it. How damn distant she was to the whole thing. And then when they reveal who the dad was, I was like, oh shit, that makes real sense to me, at least to me, um, of why she would react to the way how the whole thing is. So it's like yeah, she already went through this in some way, shape, or form. Um, in in before now, when you yeah. I don't want to, I, I do not want to spoil. Don't what? Don't nah, cast it Well, I try to avoid that because that was a big catch in the movie. I, I, in a sense, even me mentioning this kind of spoils it. But whatever. Um, but I was really expecting something salacious and entertaining and and kind of winking to the audience. Me, me too. Actually, <laughs> I, I was I was expecting <laughs> him to take more risks with this one instead of yeah. just playing it well, kind of no, smooth that, and thing. But I, I think it's because of the the location or I guess the style of the movie could really right. does feel like right. yeah this it is anti-Hollywoodness kind of, so this is right it, ha- yeah. right it has that kind of French French <laughs> French I don't know what to call it New Wave no New Wave the one no, before no, not, not New French, Wave but French realism yeah yeah right and I was like um, yeah that's what I'm going to get from it and I walk in I walk into it with, with none of that and it was just a prof- 
I mean, it was unbelievably disturbing. <laughs> That's the thing. You because the more and more you think about it, you realize, way boy, this yeah, movie. Well- well, I, I think that's why it resonates with a lot of people. It it doesn't like spell out its disturbing disturbingness or whatever. Right. And it, but you just had to look. You had to think about it. You had to dig in deep to really to really pick up on it. You yeah, might look at it and just be like, uh, it's just characters talking and blah blah blah. But you had to really look at it and be like, oh, that's no. But the movie, the movie, once you want anybody who who kind of kind of word this all as a kind of cinephile, once you get what's going on, that's it. it you have to a, get what's going on. Well, but once you get what's going on. To me, is a film that will stick with your dread because it's a, it's a movie it's like one of those mental viruses. Now you realize, holy shit, it have people like that out there. Holy shit, that is what make it cool now. And again, Verhoeven was a distraction because a guy like him, you expect some over the top bullshit. Nope, yeah. I, he give you something that's straightforward. Yeah. I no, no, no wonder. I wonder if this movie came out to the states, how it would have been. I think a lot of people would have complained that oh, I, it's not like your 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 average. Rape revenge I, movie, you know. But that's the thing. I don't know, you know, because uh, um, what's the name of the, the movie? Um, I, I spit on your grave. Yes, yes. That, right. I, I, I was, was actually thinking about shoes like right. That, I was um, thinking some shit like that. Now. I was thinking yeah. something salacious, but I was thinking something like Gone Girl. I was thinking more like Fincher, which is a different style of filmmaking. It's a different beat entirely. But with with um, in the case of Fincher, it was salacious because the whole point is to cater to to that whole um media is more critically media more than anything now yeah but this was just like a damn personal story and everything when you again when you think about the character everything makes perfect sense in in my opinion when you actually think about that it's like wow yeah this and is, and of course you know isabel's performance i mean she sold it it felt so real get, like this that, is how that, her character because, would, would react to a situation like this it makes sense and the thing is yeah, but just talking to you about this, it might start to make my top 10 because, like, I'm now thinking about this, like, wow, this kind of deeper than I think it was. She had to win an Oscar for this. Holy shit. Of course. Or, or, or At least I'm not being shot. I really hope it's so. Right. Um, but for me, like, I don't want it to be, it may be, like, an honorable mention for me, but it is, it is, it is, it is definitely worth checking out. It is worth the praise that it's been getting. Right. A lot of people put it as number one. I wouldn't put this as number one, I oh, guess. Oh, really? You know, A lot of people are so high. Yeah, but okay. I do see the appeal. I do see why people um enjoy love this. But I right. can't say this is for everyone though. People might just get turned off instantly by how slow the movie is. People might be, Oh gosh, when the violence gonna happen, when this gonna happen, just no, talking. No, no. Blah, yeah, blah, it's blah, not blah. it's not but it's if you have is it's really if you look closer, if you really watch what's going on. I, I know it's a different style of, of cinema compared to, you know, Hollywood, but Right. Is if you're really digging deep and really watch understand what's going on. Is once you get that they make, oh, that's oh okay. <laughs> is <laughs> yeah, is no, that, that kind of show, yeah. It, because the movie the movie didn't catch him off guard again because you say because of the pacing, nothing catch him off guard. Unlike the handmaiden, where that was a lesbian pub double. Yeah, from, but from it 90, moved at a certain pace from, where you from want to see what Yeah. That's why it felt like a lesbian pub novel from nineteen sixty four. It's supposed to be salacious and kinda Kind of pull, you know, grab you. Hey, In the 70s, you know. though. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, 60s, 70s pop novel kind right. of shit. So it's a pull in and hey, you know, the third sex, this woman is so and so, blah, blah, blah. That bullshit. And this one was like, nah, boy, this woman is just so straight. And they, again, I don't want to say what it is because of the dad. And when you pick up what going on, it's like, holy shit, this real bad, dude. Yeah. And, 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 and finally, how she deals with, with the whole attack, though, was just, wow, I did not. I know, not but like it, I didn't expect it, but that's how she handled it because no, you're it, giving you enough time to understand the character. Like, oh, 
Okay. Because no, but a lot of people misrepresent it in the sense of saying, well, oh, because it's French, there's a kind of prevailing um, existentialism slash nihilism going on here. And I suppose you can interpret it like that. Say, say, ah, well, it's, it's Albert Camus, John Paul Sartre type philosophy going on here. Not necessarily. It has more a stoic aspect it, where there's a real moral indignation going on. In it. That's the, the most important part of the movie for me. There's very real moral indignation going on with this character, with her character. But it's how it plays out is what makes it dangerous. And because of her character and what, again, because of the dad, going back to the dad, because that's a big part of the movie for me. Um, well, well, for you, but for me, it was more about who the actual rapist was. That was, right. that was the one but where I was like, it, oh, okay. Yeah. Right, when they reveal, but when it, but when it's how she want to deal with the rapist in that, that sense, that is when it hit you. Wow, this is how how to do uh, like a revenge story in the most disturbing way. Like when they say revenge, well, I would say re- in a modern sense, it can't just be oh, just grab some guns or you know, no, a, but a, a, think, a katana like Kill Bill and that's no, but I think it's how so how, how damn cool the whole thing was. When they say revenge, a best a dish best serve cool, yeah, that's what they fucking talking about. <laughs> like holy crap, they catch you off guard. Yeah, um, who's the rated Matthew? I would give this a very light four to five stars. I mean, regardless okay. of what I may think about the um, the piece and all that, I still have to give credit where credit is due. I mean, Isabel Hoppert, excellent. I do see an Oscar nomination. It works. If she wins, great. But I <laughs> maybe a Barrel Street might win this year. Who knows? Yeah, Sorry, yeah, next year or maybe A.B. Adams. Ha! Huh. But <laughs> yeah. yes, this definitely have to get an Oscar nom. If not for Best Actress, definitely for Best Foreign Language Film. This had to get a right. nomination. I'll be so happy if this wins. Uh, well, right. Although I, 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 I doubt this will go up against um, Hanmin in the Academy Awards. But, you know, but, for international? Maybe, maybe. For international film? Yeah, for foreign language. Who knows? But right, right, right. Um, yeah. I... But um, I mean, it's but I always say it's, I don't love it as much as as a lot of critics did. Okay, I do see why people love it so much, and I okay. But it's what like like is is really one of those shows like like um with Nocturnal Animals. I really do need to watch over again. Like I I think because going in expected, you know what you would expect from you know a film of this genre, right. but what I got was this French drama. <laughs> I really, really done in this French way now, but maybe, like I say, maybe if I watch it over, I dig it deep, I will like it a lot more. Right. Maybe not by the end of the year, but, you know, throughout the, well, maybe when I go back to it at some point in time. But yeah, okay. for the moment, Light 4, I do see this, maybe not as a top 10, or sorry, top 16, but really uh, honorable mention for sure. But yeah, this is definitely one of the year's best uh, for language films for sure. Right. Don't miss it. I, yeah, this one is a tricky one because if, as a recommendation, I, I can't give it higher than a movie tongue. Uh-huh. Uh, because it have a whole bunch of people that just not appreciate this movie in any workable way. Because even if, you know, as I always say, most people think in terms of not only things in terms of error management, but it thinks in terms of uh, terror management. And when you actually think about what this movie is about, it actually super disturbing. Um, yeah. But for me... You know, I, I'm a, I'm a guy that it, this movie is kind of right up my alley in that sense, and it was so shocking to come from Verhoeven. So for me personally, I have to give it an IMAX, Yay. solid, solid IMAX because it's like, yeah, I would spend money going to see this movie. When I think about what I watched just now, I was like, this real bad though, this real damn cool. It it is one of those movies that didn't really play to the audience in a straightforward way. It not true, it's true. not a, it's not a thinking man's movie or any of that high level nonsense, you know. It's just a movie that just played slow and it just do it in terms of real life. Like, yeah, 
this horror event story might play out. Yeah, yeah, this, that, that, that's, what I, that's what I, I was impressed by the most, but how real right. it felt. Yeah, that's the thing. I was like, and, and the more and more, and the, when, t- like the, when you're watching things play out and how life have a way of distracting people who have indignation in their set, when, you know, it have people who have indignation in their soul, they have a slow burn to their, to their, to their life. Yeah. Um, it have people like that out there. It have people who will just get vexed to your shout you down and loud you up in, 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 in one time. It have people who will just wait, dread. And this movie, you get a feeling from this woman, dread. And it's like, wow. When that, yeah. that, when the apotheosis of the story came to, came to its hilt, like, wow. That was a, a kind of shocking damn movie. It, it kind of scary in that way. As I always say, a movie, as I always say, anything that, that's, that's kind of scare me a little bit in an existential sense, is totally worth. That's why it gets such a high score for me. This yeah. movie challenged me. It's a movie that challenged me and make it work. I actually really like this movie. It totally worked for me. Um, but I can't, I can't in good conscience recommend it to the average person. Yeah, um, same, same here sad. too. It, yeah. Not just because of the pace, of course, like I said before. Right, but the pacing was a big factor. Because of that, the, the premise alone. Just but like, nope. that's that what made it work too. It's like, it's like life passing, as you say, now, as you mentioned before. It's one of those movies that just, wow. It, it pace and it, it catch people off guard. And then when it's time for your comeuppance, it's licks to get there. And yeah. you, 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 you kind of forget why it happened. But it's like, no, you don't, you don't, you know, as I say, justice delayed is justice denied. Mm-hmm. And the movie works. Um, yeah. yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. And, and when I'm talking to you about it, I actually, it actually going up in points in my head the more and more I think about it. <laughs> no, but the, um, more, so the yeah. more I talk about it, the more, the more we talk about this, sorry, the more I actually want to go back and watch this thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want to give it a second look. So, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, because I know there was stuff that I just missed now. But like I said, right. because I was expecting one thing and I got something totally different, something so right. anti-Hollywood. And I was like, okay. Right. <laughs> and it, it, it catch me off guard because it's one of those movies, again, because it's Verhoeven now. I was expecting some some neon demon bullshit now. I like no. Nope. something just ridiculously over the top at some point. Like like the revenge, yeah, like the actual revenge would be so gruesome and so violent. It would be like something oh, right exactly. At least what up it, to it would have been like that. What they do with it is like wow, that is it. And it, that final scene where <laughs> where, the, where the, the guy's wife tell her about I'm glad this happened a certain way, and she just had a straightforward face like what she's like. This fucking bitch, like wow, you yeah, see yeah, yeah. And, and it that seems like nonsense. whole life goes on, but um, that, yeah, things change. Right? Yeah, Wait. that that does cut it. I mean, a movie that's cut deeper. When you think about it, for any thinking, it's not a thinking person in any 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 academic sense, but it's it's more like an emotional deepness, now. Yeah, you know, you know, as compared, it's it's kind of like comparing um, Rick and Morty to Bojack Horseman. Which one more adult and more deeper? Right, right, right. Uh, okay, okay. See. Think about it like that. Yeah, that's, yeah. How, that's the quickest metaphor I can hit, I can hit the average person. Now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this movie totally worked for me. I love it. Um, I recommend it. And I, for, for, but you have to, you have to come, come with a straight face. Probably drink, drink, drink a beer too. So, you know, your yeah, yeah, emotions don't get hit as hard. But yeah, <laughs> jump into it and I enjoy it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that was yeah, awesome. Uh, what I would say, just, just in closing, um, as a, as a character study, I thought this, this worked. Right. You know, just off the premise alone, you're thinking, oh, this story is going to be going this one direction because you've seen, you've seen it before and you assume this is how, a person who went through that would react but then you get something totally different like oh why what's going on here why is she moving like this and then yes you know as it slowly <laughs> builds and you really understand like oh okay 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 yeah so yeah as a character piece as a character study i should say it worked isabel um she killed it really expecting a um a, a oscar nom from her if not right. that then definitely um uh academy one nomination 
Right. But like I say, because of its content, I'm wondering. I, I think this, but because I, I think it have a better chance of getting nominated as opposed to something more on the hard R NC seventeen vibe, like what the Handmaid was. Right. Yeah, which admittedly well, I enjoy a lot more, but still, I think yeah, this so one has a chance of, of winning next the year. Handmaid, the Handmaid was very pulpy. Yeah, yeah it, was it, it was. Pulpy it was. and schlocky yeah. in its own way, but it worked in terms of what he would want to do. Yeah. But this was just so dry, dread. I was like, jeez, boy. It was cool. It was really cool. It was, it yeah. It, it came, it started. From, from start to end, it was, it was cool. Right. Yeah. Okay. So moving that, along that, from from that, well, right. yeah, moving along, we're gonna talk about Thirteenth. Um, yes. Yes, a documentary which I have been seeing in a, a number of top ten lists for the year so far, and I almost told myself, you know what? Uh, gosh, I've done have one right. documentary on my list. Why right. watch this one here? Right. And my God, I'm so glad that I got to see this one. This yeah. is another solid documentary. This yeah. is probably my second favorite documentary of 2016. Just yeah, for me too. I, 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 it had one other documentary. I don't want to sell you out. I know what it is. Uh, one other documentary for this year that I enjoyed more. Yeah, but yeah. this was pretty damn good. Yeah, uh, this one was was the more traditional um, approach. Yeah, approach compared to right. the, the other one. Right. But you know, just off of the content and what they were seeing, you know, and just the overall message and just what they were trying to address in this movie i thought it worked excellent right uh just want to run down what it's about pretty much i okay, know it's, it's a big 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 story but if we could just kind of yeah yeah in a nutshell yeah. see what it's about yeah so what 13 is about is so it's based on the idea of the 13th amendment in the united states the i don't i want to say constitution but i want to say bill of rights because i, I, I i'm not familiar with my american civics yeah. So basically, what it is is about the 13th Amendment, which was basically to free the slaves. Um, the slavery had to sort itself out from the from the American Civil War. Um, and what it was is it basically it's it talking about the modern ramifications of a of a loophole that was more or less exploited from the Civil War. Yeah. Which, which was, was which was basically um, unless it's a unless you you are criminal or you've done a crime, then right. you know you 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 you're no longer a slave in in um in the United right. States. And now here's the thing. So I have been somewhat in a lot of back and forth on the internet over the idea of what we call the Black Lives Matter movement. And uh-huh. my, atti- my attitude, right? And my attitude about these people and and how to attack the situation is: look, it's one thing you have to attack the institution itself very directly. Forget all the noise and the rancor and 
all these white privilege shit and all that nonsense. Yes, that stuff is there. Not denying that, but you have to make a case against the direct law of the land. And this movie does that. It does an excellent job of attacking what it is is the problem at the root cause mm-hmm. in terms of how how people interpret the law, how people are disingenuous with the law, and how you have to change the law and what you have to fight with respect to getting the law to change in terms of sorting that self out. And this movie does a, such a fantastic job with that. Now, I'm not denying the movie's a bit biased. There's a little bit of bias in it in terms of... Oh, how boy. Some... And I'll, I'll mention a particular right. scene that No, 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 but really it's, it's like... And I, you know, it's, a, it's an old running joke with documentaries and narrative films. You know, narrative films is telling truth through fiction. And documentaries is telling fiction through the truth. It, with, with the truth. Right. In the sense that you have to put a narrative forward. I'm not denying that. Everybody have a bias, not fighting that dog. Um, so I accept the premise as working. So I'm not, I'm not going to challenge it on that level. I, I'm, I'm that guy. I'm not, I'm going to, I'm not going to be that guy right now. Um, and the reason why this documentary works so well, because it, it learns, it, it focuses on the real issue going on here, which is money. Now, a lot of money attacking human suffering. Yes. Right. Now we can argue about, you can argue about, um, you can argue about, Black crime statistics, all right, fine. Black crime statistics is pretty bad. We know why. It have a bunch of pathologies in the black community, in the United States at least. And we could, you could, you could, you could play the blame game, game of why it is that that is the case. You could talk about, well, Lincoln didn't get a chance to do this, and this person didn't get a chance to do this, and uh, because of this, and uh, you know, we come out of Africa in the wrong time, whatever. Point is, you have a, a culture of pathology when it, when it comes to people exploiting the law and making money off of, off of basically human suffering and sleep that's essentially the situation going on here yeah, how to and, justify and like established that from the beginning when he yes, talked about yes. you know as soon as the civil war was over how are these plantations going to make money now that these slaves are free right. what do they do yeah. right and it was one of those um situations where you know okay so i don't know if anybody familiar with um there's a famous science fiction short story that encompasses the scenario perfectly short story is called The Ones Who Walked Away from Omelas. I recommend any, every and anybody to read that short story and understand what it is that's being talked about. Is it available Basically, online, man? Yeah, it's free online. It's, it's, um, a, it's a famous author. She's a herbal by the name of Ursula K. Le Guin. And what she does, she just basically illustrates the moral scenario going on here, which is, imagine a society that is flourishing off of suffering of an agent. So you have a suffering of an agent and if you remove the agent from the system, the whole flourishing society would break down. So you have to make a decision. Is it, is it important that you either free the, the person that is suffering or you let the society flourish and try to improve the situation as is? And in some cases, ah, you have good to... Good point. Yeah. Right. And in some cases, you have to up, outright destroy the society. And I think basically the case we're talking about with respect to the prison industrial complex. You have way too many people, and the war on drugs as well, where you have way too many people who in the society, and we could get into the election of Donald Trump and all of that aspect of it, but you have way too many people who flourishing off of human suffering in that sense, and sorry, you have to be destroyed. I am sorry. And that is what this documentary does such a good degree. It just says, look, it, and it, it's one of, those, one of those scenarios where, you know, I, I try to not fall for left-wing identity politics, um, but this is one of the situations where it had me genuinely angry. That's how good of a documentary this is. It does a good job with that. 
It yeah, gets you jet. Indeed, it, it does. It actually pisses me off. I was, I was, I, well, I, a big factor was drinking a couple of beers. So, you know, <laughs> so that, that probably factored into you, you, me. You went drinking beers and watching documentaries. And you know, <laughs> so it actually, it actually, but it's one of those movies. It, I was sitting down, I was watching, I was drinking it. I was actually in a bar watching it at the time, eh? Because I, I, you know, I was having my walk around with my media now. Mm-hmm. And oh, I was oh watch, okay. I thought they had And I was watching it with Fred. I was, like, like, I was watching this documentary Why? and I was like, um, I was watching this documentary. Yeah, I was in a room at the time. It was weird. Um, okay. <laughs> and I was watch I was watching the documentary and I said, all of these facts in the world and how it was playing into my mind and how it was again really well edited. Yes, um, yes, yes. It had it had some great um like uh I don't know what to call it, but the the, the, the animation effects. It's um it's more like a, a lyric video technique that they use. Yes, it yeah. flowed very it But flowed. I, I love the the um the aesthetic that they use. They use this yes. sort of black and white and grey tunes all throughout. Yes. Yeah. So it looks and it very, flowed, very good. It flowed and it flowed and, and put the information in the head really well. So it actually you know, it, it's it's nice. I don't I don't I don't want to go as far as saying propaganda, but it's propaganda techniques that get me to get me angry about this situation. But it's a real moral situation that has to be sorted out. Yeah. Full um, on, on the subject of the of the technique, well, of that same animation style though, uh, right. what I liked is like um, every time they go from one decade to another, they would, sh- they would first of all they have this counter of how much um, prisoners are in American prisons. Yes. So it would increase from like 1980 would be this amount, and yes. then 1990 would be this, and then right. before you get back to the interviews or the you know a, a, a cut scene or whatever, you would hear a rap song or you hear an R&B song. Yes. So I like how they use. It's- it, it pays it pays itself very well. Yeah, and here's yeah. here's here's a nice trick they did that was really clever, and it got you to t- to say okay. So usually when they start to do tricks like that, my, my skeptical side of the brain they start to say, all right, this is a trap trying to get you to accept this on its own way. Right. What they do what they do very well is that they get right wingers in the documentary to to admit to these these tactics yes, that was done. Yes, yes, especially in so the second had, half. Yeah. Yeah. So they had yeah. new they had new Gingrich in this movie, Jared. I was like, Odie, what are you doing here? It's only there for like one, or I think it's like one scene though. But no, no, yeah, no. He, he was, was he was there. He was there in the in the um in his in a lot of like in the interviews because it was, it was very interview driven as well. Yeah, it is. It is. But let's um, remember from one particular scene. But yeah, I, I see what you mean. Um, who else? Um, shit. Was another guy's Angela, name? Well, sorry. Well, I was gonna say Angela Davis. Actually, makes actually isn't it? No, no. Yeah, no. She is there. She's there. But they have a guy. Um, shit. Was the guy who was the famous um, the famous right winger. Oh shit! What's that guy's name, boy? Nordquist. Yes, 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 yes. He was, he was the answer, big, I remember. He's a yeah. He's a big right winger, and he again they get him to come in. Now again, it could be a, a really rough edited documentary, but you would have think you would have think that they would have like put out a Twitter saying, "Oh well, the documentary misrepresent more opinion," and they edit it in this in this in this bullshit way. Nothing. That means they they meant what they said in this documentary. Um, it's Grover Nordquist, famous right winger, famous American lawmaker. He's a guy, he, he, he had the most popular for like not um, succumbing to Obama and, and resisting Obama with respect to taxation. Right. Guys, what I remember off the top of with him. Big Republican. And he was like, yeah, this shit is straight up evil. Like, we have to destroy this now. We have to like deal with this scenario. So yeah, even yeah. he was on a moral scenario. And that's what get me to, that's at least what get me to win over in when, with respect to these moral situation. You know, you just know when it's something bad when even the right wingers jump on, on our side on a, on a situation. Yeah, I and mean it's, it's about it's about humanity. I mean yes, geez. and at dice dice this one this Making one politics actually, anymore. Yeah, this one when you when you when you get through all of that that maze of indignation, then you get the moral the moral attitude to to come out against this against this situation this this institution. That yeah, sorry to say it, guys, you have to end the war on drugs. 
and you have to end the prison industrial complex as it is. It would ruin too many innocent lives yeah. in a full way. And this documentary just illustrates that so perfectly for me. On, um, on the subject of, of war on drugs, though, I, I like the, the AT section of the movie where yes. it really showed that war on drugs is really meant for, yeah, let's just let's just find some reason to, to attack, um, you know, minorities and, yeah. and, and make the white population of, of America scared of them now, you know? Yeah. Let's just say, oh, they're criminals and rapists and drug addicts right. and drug dealers right. and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I just, it just pays itself so well. Um, it just yeah. sent, it sent its message so damn good. Yeah. Um, um. Well, what would just what would say do like um, I, I love the the history. You know, love I love what they were addressing of. But is when they hit the, and and you see it right there, big and bold. That that yes. that shot of Trevon Martin, and they they leave it, right. They leave that image but, up for like but, about but, uh, five seconds. And that's, that's the thing. That's when it really stuff, hit my But that's the thing because because of, because of the Black Lives Matter thing. And I, I again on the internet when I argue with people, I actually find myself more on the conservative end of the matter arguing against the Black Lives Matter people. Because I, I, I think they, they, they make the case in such a kind of borderline disingenuous and dishonest way. But this documentary, it illustrates the moral case and how you're supposed to do this argument. It's not that against the idea of Black Lives Matter. Of course not. That's not what I'm saying. I'm a black guy. My life matters. Yeah. I think so, right? But just but what know what it is, what, what's right. really going how on. That, don't just jump on a bandwagon just because exactly. it's a black person. Yeah. Exactly. How we had to attack the argument, and this documentary does an excellent job of that. Is the documentary biased? Of course, a little bit. Yeah, um, and I would say this one particular scene that really, really, really hit me in the guts though yeah. was where they were cutting back and forth from what um, Trump was seeing at a recent um, rally, right? And showing the shot edit. of a guy from uh, I think it's early fifties, very good edit, early yeah. Yeah, being pushed by white people right. and then cutting back yeah. and forth. Yeah, of that sequence. That, great that sequence great, really great edit. Yeah. And, and the thing is, all of that is part of the bias. Because, yeah, it's like, okay, Trump is a bullshitter. He already, we're not sure how much he mean of that, but he catering to that pathology. Yeah. That's the kind of the problem with Trump now. Well, true, uh, but the way how they present is almost like, yes. yeah, they're saying Trump yes. is, is, is yes. supporting this secretly. Right. And now we know. Yes, that's the whole point. Yeah. And, uh, and I again, imagine that somebody bias. like like a director like um, Duvuni would, would agree with that. And, you know, right. most of the... the exactly. Sp- specifically, the, the African-American interviewees would agree with, with her too. Right. You know? And it, they did they did a great job with um the, well, the part of the movie that got to me is the kid who committed suicide. Yes, I that, with, that, with that a case that I didn't even know about. But then when I really part, saw it on full, like way that you know you know usually you just have certain things that grit your teeth, and you know it just gets so vexed like you like this bullshit happening in this world. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Such, such an unbelievable injustice. Look, the, I show the kid. You know people like the bullshit. Well, he's no angel. Yeah, but who give, who give a shit? The man dead, dread. Exactly. You know, that's not moralatina. He was um, let free, but it, that wasn't enough, man. Right. That wasn't enough. That's not, yeah, exactly. That had nothing to do with the, the central point. Um, this documentary was next to perfect for me in terms of doing its job. Yeah, uh, it, it, it told its message. Um, what I would say, though, is that it gives you a lot of information for you, right. to, 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 you know, to unpack. But, but I think that's a great thing because it kind of warrants you to go back and, and watch it more, you know, even if, yeah. you see it and, yeah. if you see it once and you love it. But you had to go back and be like, all right, now I'll learn some more here and, you know, watch it again right. and again and again. It, it warrants more more viewings, and that's a great thing. And yeah, as a design, as a structure, and I, I just looking at it from a purely technical standpoint, this movie, this documentary gets a high IMAX for me. It's next to perfect. Um, how to do, a, this is how to do a damn documentary. Holy shit. Hmm. To get to get people off the top of the, to just get people out of the, the house, out of the bed, to just totally destroy the prison industrial complex. To do something, to speak out uh, against it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not empty, you know, protesting. This one is, this is how to attack 
you know, an institution. And this is one of those institutions, institutions that just simply has to go the fuck away. You know, it's something agree, that just dis- destroys so many lives. It's something that just it causes so many damn problems. Um, yeah, and I, I just thoroughly enjoyed the documentary. This is how you're, this is how you're supposed to do it. I hope this guy doc- I hope this guy a nomination for award because this was damn good. I really yeah. enjoyed. It. Well, well, I I totally agree with you all the way. I yeah. enjoyed this documentary very much. I knew I was going to, and I'm really glad that I got to see it because right. yes, it make it to my to my top list. Right. Strong four and a half out of five for me. Yeah. I I enjoyed it. Um, you didn't mention. Well, I will talk a little briefly about the technical stuff. I love the music by um, Jason yes. Moran. I yeah. thought it was excellent, especially in the moments like. Um, you know, with the Trevon Martin scene, for example, and when um, we learned about the the guy who was arrested, you know, and he committed suicide, just those little musical touches, you know, um, the pianos and stuff, I thought it worked. I love the songs that they used. Um, three in particular that I noticed, um, actually four. Right. Um, first being this song that um, Killer Mike did. And um, okay. Well, this little sidetrack there, um, Killer Mike, of course, if you remember from Outcast, if you remember the song The Whole Will. Yeah. Yeah, right. That was like the first time I ever saw him. So he was like an affiliate of, um, you know, Outcast and the Dungeon Family. But, you know, he's made his name for himself. And uh, quite and recently. Speaking of, speaking of that, we're on the jewels going amazing right now. Like yes, they, yes, yes, so yes. On, I, I get into they, that. I'll get into yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> right. he has recently. You know, since um, 2013, I believe, he collaborated with legendary underground rapper slash producer LP. They right. formed Ronnie Jewels. But before that, they, they did this album back in 2012 called Rap Music. That's R-A-P. Well, R.A. Well, you know. You know what I mean? So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So rap music. And a particular song in that, which was basically uh, all out this at Reagan, just talking about what he did in terms of you know, messing up the black community and bringing in drugs and stuff. Um, that one of the verses in that particular song, because there's no chorus, it just verse after verse after verse, and it ends with this um, speech that Reagan did. So, you know, um, I was glad that not only did the, um, the song was in this movie, but you saw the lyrics there, so you understand what he was coming from with how black people were, you know, looked, on, looked upon and disrespected and stuff. Right. So, um, before we get to the other songs, but yes, um, and yes, right after that, um, that album came out. Of course, they did the Ronnie Jules thing, and yeah, Christmas Day, I was there, my my own business, like I imagine you were, Ricardo. And then boom, we get RTJ Three, which I thought was coming out next month. Yeah. And yeah, I I, I listened to it. I am enjoying it. Yes, it's in my top sixteen. <laughs> I keep saying top ten, but yeah, it's top sixteen, top ten, whatever, same thing. But yeah, I yeah. I am enjoying that. But all that we'll see. One time, I still prefer Ronnie Jules 2. Ronnie Jules yeah, 2 was yeah, okay. just nasty. It was in your face. It was real abrasive. But this one was more mature, more total. It still had the same sort of, you know... I don't want to say insanity, but there's this rebelliousness about it. But I think maybe with a few more listens, hopefully, which I'll do before the um, final episode of you know for this year, I will you know appreciate it a lot more. Um, apart from all that, getting back to music... I love that they use um, Don't Believe the Hype yeah, from Public Enemy who, you know, well, if you know your hip-hop history, they pride themselves on, you know, on, on, on the Black Panther movement. You know, right. even with their performances, they always used to have these these guys dressed like, you know, Black Panthers and marching and stuff. I love yeah, how the, the movie the itself touched on the, yeah, on, on the Black Panther movement. 
and you know just showing that they weren't these these terrible frying criminals that you know the media portrayed them as and then you know what happened to them afterwards right. there was um, another particular song that I remembered um, I forgot the name of it but it's from the Roots album How I Got Over back in 2010 right. which like I, like I mentioned before when we when we talked about the anniversary of the, the Roots album Elder of Half-Life the albums just got more and more darker and this one they were a little bit more political we were more talking about the political and racial state of America at the time and how bad it was and right. how seemingly hopeless it was and I like how they used that particular song and of course the closing song which is the closing track off of um, Common's album Black America again Let It yep. Be Free featuring Bilal love that song it hit me the first time I saw it sorry first time I listened to it and then I saw the video and it hit me and then I realized oh this is actually from this movie here 13 and I was like wow it, it, it fits perfectly though I just the, the mere fact that it's you know the second song that Common contributed to an, a movie from you know Eva you know it's not that surprising but you know this song works and I don't know if this will get nominated I don't know but yeah it's, it's a great song overall but yeah but other than that though Strong 4.5 I totally love this. I strongly recommend it. Anybody who've heard about this movie should, you know, definitely give this one a, a watch. It's a hundred minutes long. It's tight. It tells us. It it says what it has to say. It has a lot to say though. So, like I said, it's not not everything you'll pick up upon first view. But I do see myself watching this over again and feeling the same way how I felt the first time I saw this one. So yeah, right. definitely check out Thirteenth. Right. All right. right. So in right. So finally, 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 we could talk about Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so, like we, like like I said at the beginning of this um, recording here, this is on um, Tuesday, the twenty seventh of December, twenty sixteen. Yeah. So yeah, literally a couple of hours before we actually met up online here through Skype. Yeah. We got the bad news about Carrie Fisher dying at so, age so, sixty. So, yeah, this uh, uh, old joke is like, look, looks like I pick a wrong week to stop sniffing glue. Um, <laughs> where where did I get that from? The airplane. Airplane, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, I love uh, that yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was this was a big one. Um, the death of Carrie Fisher is, I'll say not since Leonard Nimoy, it really hit me. This, you know, it felt this close to home to have a, such a big sci-fi icon, you know, go away and pass away. And I mean, you wanted that too, huh? I think in some maybe ways, one of I, the I, first female, like, well, I mean, female characters, like, really loved and respected in the, you know, in the yeah. sci-fi genre. Yeah. Right. And for me, um, you know, I, you know, I kind of prepare for it mentally, in a sense, because, you know, she had the heart attack a couple of days ago. Yeah, and so, every heard we was in stable condition, so I thought, oh, okay, right. well, psh- you know I mean, maybe, it was done hard right. enough. We lost um, George Michael right. on Christmas Eve. But, then, then, so. then stable, but then stable condition was not necessarily a guarantee. And then I was like, okay, maybe. And then in my head, I was like, you know, she, you know that she had a big, like a, a lot of drugs she did in the 70s and 80s. So she kind of burned the candle at both ends. And, you know, that wax will come back when you, when you, when you come off her drugs. Um, but she, she lived a solid life. And a car... You know, spread from that. And, you know, the big thing with her, with her um, just, a, just a quick little Hollywood trivia, I'm not sure how much people know this, but she was a big, uh, great script doctor. Oh, really? Right? Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. Now I remember. Sorry about that. Yeah. Right. She's a big script doctor. And she shows, so her, her um, contribution to the industry um, is more a matter of um, just just making a bunch of films she made great. You know, a bunch of films that was would have been forgettable. Of, and she, yeah, 
she actually made these films great if you, if you think about it from that standpoint you know the real people who actually when they, when they sit down and make a script work um, how to you know yeah the actor's great and the director and blah 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 it's a script script had to work script had to be she, good she, didn't she work with uh, I think it was either Avengers or some other show that Josh Whedon was involved in I think I'm not aware of that okay. I just I knew she, I, I just I knew, she stopped what she stopped script doctoring a while now um, a good while now but Back in the early 2000s, late 90s, she was a really good script doctor, from, if I remember correctly. She's a good writer. Um, we know her as, as Blair Organa, but she's a great writer. She's a fantastic writer, actually, and she, she knows, she understands how to fix scripts. And if I remember correctly, she was actually fixing a lot of um, Empire Strikes Back on set. Oh, uh, really? That's how, yeah, that's how, that's how good she was. She, was, she used to like, she would cut out whole sections and say, no, this is going to flow better. This is going to flow that in this way between this character and this character because she understood how her character works and how the other characters would work in tandem with her character. Um, so she was really sharp in that way. And yeah, this is a huge loss to the industry. I mean, it's unbelievable. You know, it, 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 it didn't hit me yet because it's just a couple hours. But the more and more I think about it, it's, like, it's unbelievable how much she, as a, not only as an actor, actress, but as a, just a writer and, a, and just, you know, you know, just... A creator in general, um, how yeah. she would impact the industry for the future, and yeah, you know, she she had a nice little swan song with with well, we're gonna talk about um, Rogue One. She had a nice swan song with that, you yeah, know, it's almost um, perfect. And, and a particular moment, that that particular moment, I imagine, yeah, are gonna make a lot of people either cry or just yeah, yeah, even yeah. No, this one, this one, this one has me. This one really has me choked up, uh, genuinely. Um, it is a it really a big deal. So. I don't know. Um, may the force be with you, Leo Ghana. Um, yeah, always, always on film. Always, yeah. um, you know. As they say, we love you. I know. Classic line. Yeah, yeah, This, this that one, this one is a big one. More. She, she really was a, a great impact on the, in the industry. I, I, I do you remember um, Jan's Island Mob Strikes Back? Her, her role in that. Yes, I remember really enjoying that movie. For yeah, when she, she played this yeah. nun, when she played a nun, and that whole thing with involving <laughs> Connellinger. So it was really funny. Yeah. Um, I mean, no, it, she, it, was, it made sense for her to be there because, I mean, even right down to the font that they used for the title, it's all right. the Star Wars reference anyway. Star Wars, right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, no, yeah, this, this one is a big deal. Um, so, I don't know. It, it, the death of, the death of uh, Carrie Fisher is a big deal. Uh, she will really genuinely be missed. Uh, you know, I, I was always think of big deaths you know, in, the, in, the, you know, in the celebrity culture and the world at large. This year was a big year. 2016 fucking oh sucked in that God. week. Oh, my God. It was a know? big year, but yeah. You know, a bunch of damn celebrities dead. I think about five or six years ago, a bunch of celebrities dead. I was like, what the hell? When Michael Jackson dead? Like, 2009, 10? I believe it was nine. Yeah. Okay. Right. And it, it, remember that whole year was a bullshit. Um, the late 90s had a, a bunch of celebrity deaths as well, if I remember correctly. Um, 1997, I think, had a big, a big year. I think um, Princess Diana died. I, so. I, I, I know I know Biggie died March 9th. Biggie died, yeah. yeah, Biggie died, George Burns, a bunch of people. So I, yeah. uh yeah, it's, it's one of those years where you just have to take your take your lumps, move on. And it really, really is unfortunate and sad. Because to me, this year it had plenty of celebrities that died. But for me it wasn't like that big for me. It wasn't like a big blow for me. Um yeah, like, like, like one thing for example, like George um George Lucas, wow. <laughs> like George Michael passing away. Um, right, Christmas George Michael's death was well, I, I was not big I was not a big um fan of him, but people like Anton Yelchin was really hurt because of how young he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, well, so by the way, I saw his performance in uh, Green Room. Wow. Right. Real yeah. Amazing. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. He was, you know, it's, it's just such a such a such a early uh, early early light so snuffed out so early, and that was unfortunate. That was really really sad. Um, but yeah, this year was just just all these celebrities. You had Prince dead, David Bowie, Alan Rickman. Fuck. I was like, uh, and Tickenall, who was uh, Alan, I believe, I believe yeah. it was last week. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, shit, Dred. Like all these great celebrities died. Like, goddamn, Dred. And it's like, like just these, like you know, these these bit players and and character actors that died, um, comedians. People is like, oh shit, he did. Wow, you know, you you know, and you know, in many ways, uh, they died so young because Harry Fisher was just sixty. Like in today's world, that is not old. That's no, not it's old. not at all. No, it's not old. When you hear somebody all 90 something died because this guy, um, the famous author, famous guy, and his author died. He's like over 100. The guy who wrote To Serve With Love. I forget his, uh, the, 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 the guy in his author's name. Oh, I never knew his uh, name, to be uh, honest. Shit, what's the guy's name? But I'm trying to remember. Uh, don't guy. hit yet, don't hit yet. But oh, we, we I'll tell it. you. Um, just so. Uh, Bratwit. Bratwit. Here are Bratwit. Oh, okay. I, I, yeah. Jeez, yes, I've heard that name. Yes, yes, yes. Right, right. Famous, famous, famous guy in his daughter, Caribbean daughter. No? When he died, he's like, yeah, cool. He's like a hundred and some. He's like a hundred and four, whatever it is. Like a hundred and five, I'm sure. Yeah, well, you live like, a real good life there, but clearly. Right, exactly. I was like, okay, cool. You know, but it's, it's still a great mind that gone. Fine. But then people, Carrie Fisher's younger, like 60, 60. Like, 60, holy shit. That yeah. Was, yeah, that young. And well, oh, freaking Angel Niel, she knows what, 27, 28? Like, jeez, yeah. that, that that hurt me. So, uh, this one, um, is, yeah. Is this, it gone too soon once? Right, that's, that's exactly. That's the really problem. Is that the person had a life, they still had a life ahead of them now. They still, you know, in a, in a, in, you know, as I say, this is the darkest timeline. This, you know, in another, in another, another world, this could have played out in such a great way, you know, as I say, she still, she was in episode 7, yeah. So that means episode eight and nine have things to do still. She could have do stuff, but now they had to rewrite and do all this other stuff. And, yeah, like, and, I, and I don't know. Well, I don't think they, they started shooting anything for, for episode eight yet, did they? No, they, yeah, they started episode eight. Um, but I'm not sure if it's episode nine didn't start yet. So it's whatever. And I could imagine there's all her all her friends, you know, freaking Mark Hamill still alive, you know, Harrison Ford still alive. Wow. You know, just to see her go in this way is really yeah, unfortunate but... and really sad. Yeah. And yeah, I got, I got really, she, she will really be missed. This is, this is unfortunate. That's, I'll say, since in this year, Alan Rickman is the other person who had me really like verklempt. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's unfortunate and sad. And yeah. it's, it's that is, that is, that is life. We you know, life yeah, it is, it is, it is. I mean, yeah. we, we all have to pick, up, pick ourselves back up and you know move forward, try to right. make most of our lives, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so, she definitely did. You know, she inspired a lot of um, actresses and, you know, yeah. just people in general. Not just yeah. the, the, the acting. I don't know. I don't know if, I don't know if she, she has a great quote. I just want the last line on her. Uh, last little quick you know, opinion on her. Um, she had a great quote. I don't know if it's a pre- attributed to her. Um, she probably just copied from somebody else. She has a, a great line. She says, um, she makes a point about resentment. She says, resentment is like drinking poison, expecting the other person to drop dead. Ah, I, I, I thought that's such a great point. It's like you know, look, don't let, don't hold on to things, you know, don't hold on to stuff for too long. If if you know that is not something that could perpetually be a problem, never hold on to it. Resent that's what resentment is. Yeah. And yeah, she she she's a person that didn't live in bad faith, and I, that, I I I have a massive amount of respect for that. So Carrie Fisher, yeah, you you're really a great contribution to our lives. Um, and yeah, most, most definitely. Right, you and know, I, you, you, you you live on in our hearts, in our, in our minds. hearts and minds. Yes, 
you've going inspired on. a lot of people and, and you know you will continue to inspire yeah, others as right, well exactly so all I do so my great memories with her is just her in a slave layer outfit choking Jab Jabba the Hutt my own is just seeing her um, being embraced by, by Ray from um, yeah. Uh, yeah. In, in Force Awakens there's yeah. that one particular moment is just stuck in my brain right now like I just keep right. seeing that image yeah yeah. So that's it. Um, yeah, I that's it. So right. Um, but about Star Wars. yeah, we could just jump into to Rogue One one time. Uh, it's um, the first standalone film in the Star Wars cinematic universe. It's directed right. by Garrett Edwards, who quite recently brought out Godzilla, right. which I saw and I liked for what they were going for, but I felt that the it felt true. It felt slow and you know. It had, it, it, well, it I'll was, say I'll say that movie had character problems, not so much concept problems it just had character problems yeah you didn't really care for anybody if whether it's um Aaron it, Taylor Johnson they or, killed um, the characters that should not die oh gosh Brian Cranston and you didn't, yeah, you didn't get enough Godzilla but even if yeah. that was the point right it just didn't work for me but other than that it was a good show to see on big screen haven't seen it again yeah it was, it was cool yeah. it was pretty cool I thought it was okay um I didn't right. hate it I get why some people might hate it but I thought it worked for it well, I don't say it was past saying worked but it was solid for its most part, it's I, I, I just I just waited for like a sequel. I know the sequel will be way better, but this one, but well, I, the first the movie felt like um, like like oh well, we trying something. Are we not too sure where we're gonna go? We trying something. Okay, this work. Right, this is not work. No, but right, we get in we get in the new Kong movie, and I heard that's in the same universe. So yes, cool. yes, yes. From what I know, that's in the same world. So great. So yeah, yeah we have right. something to build from. Yeah. Yeah. So apart uh, from anyway, all, so yeah. So apart from all that, no, sorry. Um, it's uh set. It's n- never really, um, never really stated how long right after the events of um, Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith, but it does occur just right before the beginning of Episode Four: A New Hope. It centers on the um, the Death Star, um, one of the main players, one of the main people who were involved in its um, in its inception and creation, who just so happens to be the father of the heroine of this uh, story, um, Jin yeah, Uso, played Jin by Jin Felicity Jones. And she becomes part of this, uh, this more or less, this uh, group of rebels who are uh, given the task to go and try to acquire the plans to destroy the Death Star. Yeah. And what I would just before um, we get into our reviews, what I like is that the, the movie, this movie here pretty much explains that whole, you know, just the whole joke about the fourth movie. Oh, how, how come it was so easy to destroy the Death Star? Right. This yeah, they, movie they, kind of explains why. Explains that quite exactly, well. Yeah. Why uh, it feels so. safe. And uh, yeah, so Jin, in, you know, and there's other people involved. So we have like, um, we have uh, Diego Luna, we have Donnie Yen, we have yeah. uh, Riz Ahmed, um, Alan Tudyk. Yeah. 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 Uh, as the voice um, of. Um, yes. Who is the voice of the best character, hands on the whole show? K2SO. K2, yeah. K2. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also we have um, Forrest Whitaker, who plays this character from star wars rebels which so, so seen. well actually he was in um the character was in in clone wars as well huh? okay the the series I, I never watched clone wars or rebels like right see right after um oh gosh um jendy tarakovsky uh forgive me if, if no I no not, not not on um, jendy tarakovsky's clone wars i know i know the the other one the the right yeah, yeah, crappier yeah. animation so I skipped Clone Wars and I skipped Rebels because I felt that it was going to be a repeat of Clone Wars. So no, yeah, yeah. Um, Clone Wars, Clone Wars I don't care for, but I like Rebels. Rebels is solid. All right, Rebels is okay business. Okay, so it's it's worth checking out. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad at all. I, I mean, if you if you're into it, you're into it. I mean, but it, it's okay. I actually recommend it. Okay, all right. 
Yeah. And uh, from the word go, this this movie goes out its way to establish that this is not going to be your average Star Wars movie. So you're not gonna get the adventurous music, and you know it's not gonna be an adventure. This is more like a war film. This is more like you know down, you know gritty, down to earth kind of battles, basically. So it's putting the the war in, in Star Wars, basically. Yeah, and you know, just that, just that concept coming from Disney of all people. Okay, you know, Disney owns the rights now to you know this franchise. Right. It was it was a bull, it was a huge risk, you know, because right this is right after, um, oh gosh, uh, Force Awakens which came out last year, right. literally. So just that that transition from straight up adventure slash nostalgia beat to being something new and different while staying true to the original. Would have been a huge risk, I could right. imagine. But um, did it pay off, Ricardo? What you talk? Okay, so this movie. Okay, so <laughs> with the with the passing of Carrie Fisher, I was wondering if that's gonna affect my rating of the movie, and it does not all that much. Um, this movie <laughs> here's the problem. Oh, problems. You know, so, yes, well, there <laughs> were a few problems. One, I think, no, I think it's one big problem that's that creates a bunch of other problems. But okay, here's okay. the main problem. What, what is it? What is it? The main problem is that it's when you're trying to apply it's it had the same problem Mana still had. Which is you wanna do realism and apply realism to a, a, a implicitly fantastical universe. Uh-huh, so I when understand. it's time when it's time to explain how shit does work on a kind of technical, mechanical level, you start unraveling the tapestry that is Star Wars. Right? right. Same goes to same goes to Superman. Right? When it's time to explain how, hey, how come this is this and this is this and you want to make a world that explains that when it's time to explain that and you want to explain it in this grounded, gritty, realistic way, you unravel the tapestry. Case in point, like how Zod was able to, 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 to not just to, I mean, I understand when he reached onto Earth, he was able to, he, he got these powers, you understand no, but that, that, but how he was able to adapt it all of a sudden. Right, no, no, like, it, okay. I mean, they have a bunch of other issues that Mana still had, but that is not what I'm talking about in terms of like explaining well how come this character is here and well they had a bunch of cameos and references in this movie and if you think right. if you think um, Post Awakens is bad with the fan service this one is in some ways much worse you find so I find, I find the first well no Post the, Awakens the, well, the fan service in this one was kind of forced and uh, yeah right. forced haha but especially right. in one of the, the film's final scenes which I honestly enjoyed a lot it was, it was, it was right. awesome but still, right. it's like, yeah, they're just doing that for fans. It was like, oh, yeah, right. we had to have this stuff, and you know? Right. And I, now, here's the thing. I actually like this more than Force Awakens, personally. Me too. Uh, I, I, like, I actually like it a little bit more, but I'll say why when you But it have, it have exactly almost all the same problems in the sense of catering to our audience, having a kind of stale, straightforward problem in terms of the narrative. Mm-hmm. And then, because they try to make everything grounded and quote unquote realistic, when it's time to think about it in the Star Wars world, a whole bunch of shit don't make sense. So they still have Stormtroopers being massively incompetent and bungling in this movie. And that was taking me out of the shit. I was like, so you see you see a character shoot and then you see Stormtroopers shoot back and all of them miss. i like, wow. I thought this was supposed to be kind of ground and realistic. Now, this movie have its moments, eh? It, ha- it genuinely has some kick-ass cinematography. Oh, yes, and, yes, like, yes. They had some great shots in this. Yeah. Some great shots in this. Like, they had a part with the, the that start doing an eclipse thing. Great. Yes, um, yes. They had a great over shot the, with the, over the sun, yeah. That was excellent. Yeah, they had a great shot with the that start coming out over the, over the horizon. Kick ass shot. Um and but the problem is that it's more icing and no cake. That's kind of the problem with this movie. That's and it. I I still had fun with it. But if I was if and I, and I didn't have a problem with it so much because 
I was, I'm not a Star Wars fan because I'm not a big Star Wars fan as opposed to a Star Trek fan. I, I could imagine Star Wars fans probably hating this and saying, wait, this don't make any sense, Jared. And this don't, con- this, don't con- this don't cut together very well. And this don't make any sense. And well, this well, well, funny I should mention that because um, I would right. imagine some Star Wars fans really enjoying it. But I could imagine that after a while, like once you get it on Blu-ray and you really watch it, they'll be like, right. yeah, that don't work though. <laughs> yeah. Wait, that doesn't make any and sense, right? That's the problem. So I, that's what I realized with this movie. While watching it, I remember telling you when he was watching it in, in, up in, 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 in IMAX, in, IMAX. In Roxy, yeah, in Roxy. Um, when he was watching it, I immediately told you, yeah, this has the same problem that um, that Bada still have now. Um, in that sense, is, is that yeah, the Star Wars universe. Once you once you apply it, once you think about it in terms of technicality, um, in terms of well, how does this work and how does that work and where where's the geography of the things are like where is this planet next to this planet? Now I can imagine have a bunch of Star Wars fans who are, who know that shit and it makes sense to them. But to me, I was like, yeah, once you start apply that knowledge there, it do work. You have to it is totally fall apart. And I had to like turn my brain off, but that was the problem. The movie, because the movie trying to do this realism grounded. Well, this is how the the rebels and it's about realistic. Um, how rebels in, in a battle and how the the, the 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 underbelly of the rebellion and how rebe- rebels do have to be nice and they actually you know good guys do actually have to be good guys quote unquote. Um, I it started to fall apart for me in that way, and that's the problem with the movie. Well, well, on on the subject of characters, I think they really try to establish a little too much about, yeah, these characters aren't exactly the the, the, the most holy of, of of heroes out there. You know, they they have some 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 evil or some, you know, they they they're not, they're not exactly white characters. You know, they have some great they they agree pretty much, right. but I felt that they were trying to establish the the type of characters that they are instead of who the characters really are. Right. So I kind of came out of it like, yeah, I wanted to kill a bit more, but you know the characters were just there; they were just doing their thing. Donnie right. Yen was doing his thing, and, and by the way, he he steals he steals his show at least for me. Like I was right. at first, I was wondering, yeah, why is he in the show? I mean, I well, love Donnie well, and all that, things. but you know he uh, was yeah, there so, and he did his thing. So yeah, the problem with that, I, I was a little cynical about Donnie Yen. Like I love Donnie Yen, um, love Ip, Ip Man. <laughs> yeah, Ip Man uh, trilogy. Yeah, Yo, love on. his movies. Um, but he, he could tell he was getting a there just to cater to Chinese audiences. Um, of course, of course. He didn't need to be there, um, but they did him like a kind of force-sensitive monk who's not really a Jedi, but he kind of have the force on his side a little bit. And, and uh, he so believes he, in it a lot, so right, yeah, he's so always he, reciting this quote. Yeah. He was kind of saying all these kind of you know, typical yeah, the Asian... The force is strong with me, I'm one with the force. Right. And, yeah. But he, he ended up coming across a little bit like a kind of Asian stereotype, platitudes type character. Just yelling oh, out the, the kind of crazy monk kind of thing. Right. And then... The problem with the, with the movie is that, again, because of the, the quote-unquote realism angle and they try to do things in a realistic fashion. So you had this whole sequence, which kind of quote-unquote explains why Stormtroopers miss so much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Where you're saying, well, I'm the force, I have the force with me, the force is one with me, blah, 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 and he was walking. And but, uh, yeah, and in that moment, all like, the Stormtroopers you know, they know they could have hit him at that one point, you know, forget the yeah. music, forget what's going on. They could have right. just hit him with one nobody, shot, boom, yeah, but nobody no. Yeah, nobody could hit him. And then they, they had a friend holding him up while he dying and nobody hit him still i was like wait where all these comfortable 100 <laughs> good point like, but yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's the like overdramatic moments uh, right yeah. and I, I was thinking they could just take the time to have him just come in and kill off all those guys and then you know hold him up maybe you they know why they do that right because it's all pg to think you know if it's our right. headshots that's, for both that's of them, the problem right? because disney disney can't play it too gritty now disney can't do you know people getting their head cut off or 
stuff like that. So that was a mistake. This movie I had a problem. Century Fox kind of did with with episode three. That well, was in a way with with, um, with Anakin, which kind of still don't make any sense how you could get your two arm, your two hands, and your <laughs> and your leg chopped off in one fill swoop. No, but that, that is what. No, but that's the thing. Um, this movie was it. It really like tried to do gritty, realistic thing, but then it turned. So it had all these tonal problems. It the the the, the approach to it is in terms of why it is that you would do this in terms of a tonal issue. So that's my issue with it. Is that why it is that this you have all these normal Star Wars sharpness in it, but at the same time, um. He's trying to be all gritty and serious. And that's the problem. The movie starts with that. The movie starts with this guy just shooting a dude in the back. And he's yeah, supposed yeah. To be the... and, and that was supposed to... Which, which caught more of guy was like, why right. would you do that? No, no, Even I, if it's just to say... I can't get why you do it, but it just no, I get was it, so because the guy, the guy was at, the, the guy he shot was at Gimp, so he couldn't escape. So the guy had to climb, and he couldn't climb and escape now. So he's like, well, I had to shoot in your back. Look, I get that. But again, when it's time, when you do that, and then you put the Star Wars bungling aspect it, and I, what I thought they would have done with it, I would have thought, I, in my head, I had the whole Oceans 12, Oceans 11 kind of approach to it. Where it's funny, but you have a kind of implicit, implying sense of violence in the background. But you yeah. do it like a kind of funny aspect. But they didn't do that at all. Everything was war. They, yeah, they made and, a and it was serious. And it, it was yeah, a little too it, serious. I, I a little too self-serious, yeah. right. A little too serious in its own way. And that's yeah. why it... it I, look, I can imagine, I, much like with Man of Steel, Man of Steel was the Superman movie I always wanted, and then when it came out, I was like, "All right, I realized I don't want it as much as I thought it would." I'd do. <laughs> yeah. And it's the same thing with this. I can imagine a bunch of Star Wars fans were like, "Wait, we we don't want Star Wars being as cheesy and fantastical." Yeah. And then they get this, and it's like, "Right, I don't think I want this movie as much." I could totally understand why this movie didn't get as good score as it did. I still give it an okay score. Yeah, um, me too, me too. Um, it had but... a lot of fan service. It had a lot of moments I was as really interested. Another problem it had as well was you're doing the whole Rogue One Suicide Squad idea. But the problem is that you you can't um you, you didn't you don't need the group to, to come together and coalesce as a group yet. You didn't get that. That that was so, the one mis- that, that was the one issue that I yeah. had just and then like, I just, didn't just you know there wasn't really that much character in the you know integration. No. It was just oh we have to do this and yeah this is what we could do blah. There wasn't any Moments of them really working together. You didn't really get that camaraderie between right. them. Right. And you didn't, you didn't get any, you didn't get any character moments with them. Like, they no. just bond in or nothing like that. Yeah. I, and I, they were interesting look, characters, even right down to Felicity Jones, like, who I thought right. was okay, but I, well, she was decent. She didn't but blow that's away. Thing, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't, well, I get the idea of the characters. Like, visually, you get what he was trying to go for with these characters. So, like, okay, so I forget what the Spanish guy's name. But the, uh, yeah, oh, I forgot his name too. Um, yeah, that's another problem in this movie. Had like he couldn't remember character names at all. Yeah, like like Jin, Jin. Yeah, Urso. Keep, saying, I, I keep trying keep to remember Jin Urso. And they, they Jin keep pronouncing the character name differently, Jen or Jin or whatever it is. Um, yeah. But I, um, I just couldn't like okay because I'm not a Star Wars fan. I it worked for guys like me who yeah. in between the, the situation, so I liked it. But I can imagine Star Wars fans hating it as I said before. But here's the thing. The problem is that they had to. It, they could have paced the plot a little better. Because the whole point is that you're, you're, you're doing the idea of um, you're getting the plan to the Death Star, but a lot of that have to be convoluted. But they could have cut this scene and that scene. Oh, by the way, speaking of Man of Steel, Forrest Whitaker, Whitaker's character dies in just like how Jonathan Kent dies in Man of Steel. Yes. Same dumb way. Yes. And, and, series, yeah. and 
and, and and speaking and speaking of Forrest Whitaker, oh my gosh, like. I have respect for him as an actor and everything. I mean, Ghost Dog, Last King of Scotland. You know, I love the guy, but... Right. I felt that out of all the other characters in the movie, even right down to K2, um, <laughs> right right down to K2S, so I felt that he was the most hammy of all the... the he, he, right. he gave the most well, hammy okay. performance so in the I, whole show. I, I, when you understand the character, I, I kind of get what where is going with the character. The character is basically like the Colonel Kurtz kind of character. He's supposed to be kind of... He kind of went mad... He's an old soldier, and he kinda went, again, he kind of went off the deep end. Right, so but what I, I was with get, that voice, though? Oh right, exactly. God. So I get the sense that he's supposed to kind of go off the deep end, and he kind of he went crazy. So I get that. Yeah. So I didn't really have a problem with that so much. But um, I had, and I had this particular moment with him trying to, to get information from um Right. From, yeah, so they had, from they had this a bunch guy of who had plans. And exactly. This, so they had a bunch of unnecessary bullshit in it now. Yeah. I was like, wait, why the scene in here? This scene doesn't serve a purpose at all. No, because you never think... get back to it. It's just, oh, he just exactly. did that, and then, oh, big yeah, attack from the Death Star. It doesn't right. make sense. And that was, that was a problem I had with the movie. So, it, yeah. I didn't um, hate this movie. And, and also, before I forget, um, I find, like, the, the, the people who were in the um, who were in the Death Star itself, um, especially, like, Ben Mendelsohn's character, played right. um, Orson Krennic, I felt that it could have given a, given him a little bit more to do. He was just like the right. skull and like, oh, I made these things and yeah, I'm not getting any credit. Right. Blah 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 blah. Right. And then that you, you, you pay him with somebody what, like what? oh, Darth Vader, and then of course Darth that's Vader. That's what catch me. He steals the whole show, man. I mean, yeah. So he decided to go to Darth Vader to complain <laughs> about this thing, and it's like, why go to Darth Vader? You couldn't go. Like I didn't get that. Yeah. Like I get Darth Vader is a high-ranking person, but Darth Vader, you're not supposed to go to Darth Vader for something like that. Whatever. Exactly. Um, but I don't know. Um, but just right. Um. Uh, well, I don't know if you were going to lead to that, but I was saying, what, uh, based on what you said, he could have gone to uh, Peter Cushion's character. No, but that's the whole point. Is that Peter Cushion's character taking taking his role now? Oh, so right. Yes, 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 yes. Now I remember. That's yeah. the whole point. He's taking his credit for the, the, the Death Star now. Like, I get it. I get what they do, but like he tried to go to the top now. And then, Dad Vader have the worst scene in the movie with this, <laughs> with this pun. This oh, terrible, yes, yes, yes. This terrible... <laughs> Pun. Oh my god, why did he say this? I laughed at that. Was, that was, that was like, terrible. Um, and that didn't work for me you at all. Say that in real life, though. You know, like, like if you if you compare this version to like how he was in the old movies, you right. wouldn't see that. He wouldn't, he wouldn't crack a pun. That's he the thing. That. And I, mean, I know a lot of people is complaining about the outfit. And it's like, I don't really mind that. He doesn't that kind of tall guy in the outfit, whatever. I didn't mind. Uh, I didn't care. I, I, if yeah. He was there. That's what matters. But, right. um, but, but before, before we get to it, you know, we have to talk about this. The. Um, not motion capture, but just the visual effects in terms of right. bringing these so, you know, Peter Cushions and um, Chris the characters to life. Here's the thing with that. In the case of Carrie Fisher, it, it kind of come across like a Madame Tussauds wax museum kind of situation. The, the special effects, it was done very quickly. Yeah, yeah but yeah, I- exactly. So what I saw there, so, I was just thinking about the character, not so much about how right. her face looked. But I remember, so I, I went to see this movie a second time. And the second oh, you time, you totally, you. I, you totally I still need to see it again. Yeah, I went, I went down south and I was like, the second time I saw it, it's like, wow, you totally noticed it the second time. Wow. That, that, that was, that good was like thought. me and, um, oh gosh, uh, Paul Walker for um, Furious 7. But like that, when you saw that, that, was, that final that shot. The Paul, Walker, the Paul Walker one was way better though than that. Oh. He, but Peter Cushion, Peter Cushion was not that bad. He has a mistake. No, because of the, the, the shadows that they use, it, it helped right. to hide it a bit. But I right. felt like it, the eyes and the mouth, you could pick up, yeah, that, that's CG right there. Exactly, but that was a the mistake. They should give him too much screen time. Yes, yes, that's Way the problem. Much so he, he was like constantly talking, 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 and they gave him 
They get them full, well lit shots, you know. Yeah, and they never and cut like, back to like the other. Pe- they never do like a reverse shot. It's always that's why I'm studying. And if it's a reverse and shot, it doesn't even last long. It's always back to him, like like, like exactly. the, the creators almost showing off. Ooh, Peter Cushing's back. Ooh, you know. That was studying. I was like, wait, I like look. I get all your real. I get all your real confident with this, but you're a little too confident. This not working out the way all you think it is, and I I see in the bad, especially like the eyes was so looking off as usual. Is the uncanny mm. valley. And the mouth, the mouth was looking real off. So I was like, well, if they just had him like on the side and they had like a, like if they did a side shot where like, um, oh God, the, the, the Australian actor, the fellow was in the white outfit. I forget his name. Not, um, not, not Ben's character. Right, yeah. Uh, he, yeah, what's his character's name? I forget the character's name. But uh, if they had him. Orson, Orson, yeah. Yeah, if they had him walk on the side to him, talking on the side and they had the Peter Cushion character in the shadows, like up close and kind of out of focus, it'll totally work. But nah, boy, they just decided to just do this shot straight on, straight on, straight on for a long period of time. It's like, oh, yeah. now, look, you're good, eh? The technology good, everything that But, but, but don't, yeah, don't, don't use it too much, man. Before we, you know, because I mean, it was cool to see him there first off, but then the illusion right. kind of goes away. It's like, yeah, yeah, this, yeah it was, it was too much. It's not real. I don't buy into it anymore. Yeah, they, 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 do it, they do it too much. And that was a big mistake. And well, in the case of uh, uh, Carrie Fisher, yeah, RFE. Uh, in her case, it was it was bad on two souls wax wax museum. It was looking bad. Sorry, I I, I was just more in awe of, of her presence in the movie. I did not see that coming. Right, I, I clapped just like everybody else when I saw it. Yeah, yeah, like no, I see, it I was a total, a lot of people was, total, would do it even total more. fan moment. Yeah. But I, I, I did fan Yeah, I looked at and the face, of course, but I didn't linger on it too much. That's my point. And well, that Vader was kick-ass too. I thought that was pretty good. Of course, uh, that, that fan service moment though. Fan service. Did not see it coming, but when it happened, it was like, oh, wow, they did that. Okay, okay, <laughs> all right. They gave him some time to shine. I love that, yeah. I thought he was just going to be this, this guy in the shadows, just show up, see what he had to say and go and, you know, watch episode four to see more of him. But I didn't right. expect that moment, but it's there. But another, it uh, another thing is James Earl Jones was sung in a little old. Well, and he is old. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, duh, yeah. You gain up in the in them ears, so I was like, all right, cool, okay. Yeah. Um, um, but uh, though, I mean, the, the action sequences were actually decent as well too. The music from uh, Michael Gacchino, I thought was great. Right. Uh, I like the fact that he paid a lot of homage to um, you know John Williams' score, you know, with certain cues that you would know from his original music, but it's still not as great as John Williams' work. Sorry, but right. at least he made the effort to try to sound and do something a little different. So I give him credit for that. Yeah. Yeah, um, I thought the direction was fine as well too from Gareth Edwards. I just find that the story just had a little piece in the series, especially within the first uh, about the second act. To that, right. though, on the other hand, I was just having a blast by this. Yeah, yeah. Leading up to that moment, because, because it that final strike was just like. Uh, yeah, it escalated in such a great way. Cause I really thought it was just gonna be this sneak thing, and then they just, they just decided to just make it this kick-ass war battle. Yeah, and it, it, it kind of it reminds me a lot of Return of the Jedi, the last action sequence. That yes, did, so. yes, yes, yes. I'm glad that we get to see some dog fights in this one too. I thought right. it was just all you know ground combat. Now they didn't expect right. that they would do some more dog fights. I was glad to see that. Right. Um, what else? What else? What else? Um, something that I had in my mind here. Yeah, uh, visually it looks um, fantastic as well too. I love the cinematography. I love the visual effects for the most part. Even right yeah. down to the to you know regain Peter Cushing and Carrie Fisher's characters to be on screen I just young, oh, yeah. felt that you know yeah young young versions right. um, the Death Star moments I thought was, was interesting as well too because you know, like in episode 4 where they shoot and then the the, um, the planet just suddenly combusts 
all right. in no, one it, full it, go. Well, it, it, remember they say how they were just they they, they were um just testing it out now. So the idea is just to hit the site. So yeah. they just put it on the lowest level and shoot. So it, it'll just vaporize a section of the planet. Yeah, and, um, and, and it made some, for some great moments, you know, some yeah, no, like that first, moments. Yeah, like the first shot where they destroy the, the, the city, the Jeddah city, the desert city. Yeah. Um, That first scene, I thought that was a kick-ass shot, yeah, because they show all the debris coming up and going up close to that stuff. Yes, yes, yes. I thought that looked damn cool, yeah. yeah. It has some quick, like the look. Again, it's icing over, over substance. Most, you know, more, um, uh, you know, substance, not not too much substance, but more, what do you call it? Style. Style, right. Yeah. Um, spectacle over substance. I yeah, specta- more, more spectacle, not so much right. style. Because the it, style it, is it, there, but it's just um, spectacle. Right, and it, it, it looked good. Um, I don't have a hate for it. I'm going to give my rating. Just always a rating. Yeah, well, uh, all right. Well, for me, I would, I would despite my, my issues with it, I would still give this a lighter, decent four to five stars. I Right. Do praise, you know, this movie for being ambitious and trying to do its own thing, even though it had to kind of piggyback on the fact that, yes, it's a Star Wars movie after all, so we have to do all the right. Star Wars-isms and stuff. I enjoyed it a little bit more than, than, than Force Awakens, but I still prefer right. the adventurous vibe of Force Awakens because that's what we come to expect from, you know, a Star Wars movie, even right down to episode three, as dark as it was, it still had that adventurous feel to it, you know? Right. But this one here felt like episode three and in a way you know a lot of people are see comparing it to um empire strikes back at <laughs> but i would say in terms of like the disney resurgence of the um star wars franchise i would say this is the this is clearly the the empire strikes back of these movies so so far yes it's two right. so far we got but yeah this is the this is the empire strikes back clearly um right. i wish we got you know characters that we cared about i mean they were there and they were doing this stuff but i just wish that i got more character wise and i felt that the piece was off but still just being it trying to be its own thing and telling a story and really fitting it quite neatly i i, I felt into um into episode four i thought that 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 deserves a lot of praise so yeah like right. a decent four to five stars definitely worth checking out um all i'll say in closing though is that um i'm not sure if non-Star Wars fans will like this a lot more than uh, Force Awakens. I think people more resonate with Force Awakens because we had new characters. It was like just just this burst of energy once again that just going back to the old film, you know, the fun and the adventurous vibe of it. Right. And of course, yeah, which more or less has to do with the nostalgia beat and them having a, you know, copy and paste stuff. But right. still with this kind of dark war tone i'm not sure if non-star wars fans would would really appreciate it as much but i still see give it a look um star wars heads will totally enjoy it and be like oh yeah now they, now they explain why it was so easy to destroy the death star in the first place ha 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 yeah <laughs> but even if they look back at it years from now and be like yeah that didn't make any sense and yeah peter cushion does look good i still think they will appreciate it all the same so yeah definitely check it out right uh, yeah, for me, I give this one a low movie tone. Not even a low IMAX, dude. No, nah, no, nah, I can't give it a low IMAX. Why, low movie tone. It's a movie tone. <laughs> it's a low movie tone because it, it, yeah, it just, it just couldn't gel together the way. And the more and more you think about it, the more and more you have problems. As I say, Star Wars is a franchise that you're not supposed to think about. And when you start to put mechanics into it and groundedness into it, you run into a bunch of problems. Yeah, right. I, I do see this being as a, as a, not a top ten for me, but. If not within the 11 to 16 range, <laughs> I, I do see this as an honorable mention for sure. Right. Yeah, it's, I, it's one of the more better Star Wars prequels, if you will, that I've seen. 
Right. Yeah, even though I, no, I yeah, can see it, it, it definitely better than prequels for me. Um, and is, I asked, it and I, I put it above the the um I put prequels it above and, three. Yeah, and for I put sure. it above I put it above Force Awakens as well. I, I because I think I just didn't like Force Awakens because of how derivative it was. So that lose so much points to me. But this I I, I appreciate that they, that Disney decided to do something like this and put this out because it's something that you would have, you wouldn't think Disney would have do. So they may fuck. I, ho- I really it's a shame that they could not just put a better story and a better arc involved with this. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, for me, low movie tongue, I couldn't really embrace it as much as I think it was, but I still prefer it over Force Awakens. Force Awakens, right. Um, I will say this much in closing, though. I still do like the idea of us getting a Star Wars movie every year. I just have a feeling that it will just get right. really desaturated. And yeah, no, yeah, people people going to get fed up. Um, yeah. You know, that, 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 just that oh, people just gonna get saturated with Star Wars uh, within five years if, if they especially if they don't put it out so good you'll just have mediocre movies going on that's the problem yeah and, and I, I mentioned I, that yeah, I mentioned really, Force Awakens yeah, yeah just really hoping that they just make sure that they tell really great stories this right. one told a great story just needed some tweaking but I'm just hoping that you know that would be the, 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 the subsequent movies that we get the quality of writing does not you know subside right right yeah. okay but yeah, other than that, that's all I have to say about Rogue One. I'm sorry this right. review took long, but you know, life and family and Christmas got in the way, but finally we got it out. It's just a right. shame that it had to be on the very day that we lost, you know, Princess Leo Gano herself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that's life. So, that's at the end of the day. So, uh, Ricardo, where can we find you online, man? Yes, you could find me um, per sat, R-M-E-D-D-Y, that is at R-M-E-D-D-Y on Twitter at R-M-E-D-Y. And then you can just type in Ricardo Medina on Facebook and that will find me there. All right. Well, you can find me on Twitter as well too. You can just look for Legally Black MJB, MJB and capital letters. You can also find me on Facebook. Just look for Machibili. And also you can look for a Legally Black official fan base. You can find a link to this podcast here as well as the others that we've done over the past year and a half and right. my written reviews that I've done, you know, years prior to BS Beats and Billy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So this uh, this year was just a kind of crappy year. Uh, well, one thing that came out the other day that I actually I surprisingly enjoy is Justice League Action. Justice League Action came out. Uh, it came out in sixteenth uh, of December. It was um, so it, a couple episodes, but it was released in the UK for about a month or so. So a lot of content came out from since then. Right, uh, how yeah. is it? I actually love it. it. It's a perfect mix of Justice League, um, Justice League, well, Justice League Unlimited. Um, Teen Titans, and then some Batman, Brave and the Bull. All three of those shows I really like. Um, it's not as childish as Titan, Teen Titans Go, but it's great. <sighs> Hallelujah. I was worried right. about it's that. As, it's not as bad as Teen Titans Go, but it, it's, the, the animation is pretty cheap. On, 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 you see that cheapness on time. But the stories are great. Stories are uh, fantastic. Voice acting and characters. They get all the people they like. Um, Batman, Kevin Conroy comes back. Um, they, have, they have a lot of great characters and storytelling. Um, Dave James Woods doing Lex Luthor, which is awesome. Uh, yeah, but uh, solid storytelling, solid characters. I, I thoroughly enjoying what I've seen so far. I've got, I watch about say about ten or so episodes so far. Great, love nice. it. I'll, uh, I'll already check already, it out for sure. Yeah, already better than DCEU bullshit. So, oh boy, yeah. yeah. And on the subject of that, um, yes. So with the with the next episode, like we like we said at the beginning, we're gonna um, run down our our top lists of the year. So we're gonna talk about movies, best and worst stuff. I know in your case. You just want to to, to, to lay waste to BVS, hopefully for the last time. 
Yeah, and that's kind of what we did. So I, I want you to prepare for that. Right? I want you to come strong with this one, right? No, the final nail in the coffin to that bullshit. Yeah, you had to come hard, right? you had to pour all of that malice and bile out of your system and just unleash it. Right? Yeah. I, I can't wait I, for you to look, do it. I mean, I, I kind of don't do it already on, on, on online forums, or anything, but I'm going to explain why I think why I, I, I think I could explain clearly why I hated this movie. Yeah, but uh, what, what I want but, you to explain too is like out of all the bad shows that I know you saw because right. I, I saw through some terrible stuff as well too, just on purpose. Yeah, but why, but but why, why yeah. this one holds Right, I'm going to explain, yeah, I'm going to so explain why this movie did not work at all for me and why it's such a massive failure of a film for me. I'm going to explain that. Okay? I think I have a clear narrative of why it didn't work. Right. You know, it have, it have movies that quote-unquote objectively worse, you know, but this, I did something so about yeah, but it, it it's something about this that just was just so egregious and ridiculous. So I'm gonna, okay. I'm gonna I think I'm gonna explain why this movie did work. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, please do. And uh, along with that too, we're gonna talk about um, TV shows. In my case, best hip hop albums, instrumental albums, and EPs as well. And I guess we could talk about video games. You know, just briefly. Yeah. Right. So you can look forward to that with our next episode. Yeah. Right. Uh, so any closing remarks before we part ways? Not really. Yeah. So. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Uh, 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 sorry. This. This. I'm we, 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 Yeah. We're still thinking about Leah, but you know, yeah. once again, though, rest in peace to Carrie Fisher. You know, you inspired. Uh, you inspired millions, and I really hope that. You know, you, 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 uh, even though she's not alive anymore, I really hope that you know her. What she's done over the years will continue to inspire many other people. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Going forward, and we'll close things off there. In a right. somewhat morbid but still hopeful note. I mean, we still have a few more days before the year ends, so who knows what's going to happen, but yeah. Right. 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 So once again, guys, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, whenever you listen to this. This was Machu Bailey and Ricardo Medina. And we are signing up from another episode of BS Beats and Bailey. So once again, right. guys, take care. Peace. Until the next one. Peace. Later.